feeling where you really cannot calm down from it, from whatever your emotional state is. I really couldn't calm down. And I, but I went outside on my balcony and I had a cigarette. <laughs> like sat with the basil and the mint in our herb garden on our little and I was just like (laughs) all like chilling you straight up pulled a Jones back to Word of the Witnesses, our 12 Monkeys rewatch podcast, as always, except for when we don't say it. This is a rewatch podcast, which means if you have not seen the whole season, you are in the wrong place. Please finish, see one of the greatest series finales of all time, come back, and then you're allowed to press play. If you go past this point, it's on you. (laughs) Yeah, that's your problem. I mean... (laughs) You're all adults here, I assume. It's different every time. I love it. it. (laughs) I just riff, man. That's my deal. I don't... Okay. Anyways, you may have heard in the background, we have a new guest panelist. Welcome, Barry. Please do tell us about yourself, where you're recording from, and where people can find you on the old social media. Well, I am recording from Capital Chick's basement. (laughs) Which sounds like I've been kidnapped. Are you safe? (laughs) Question I'm in a safe one. place. Yeah, I'm in a safe place. I came here of my own. <laughs> my hands and feet are free. So I'm gonna, don't worry about me. We're mostly hiding from my three children that wanted to come say hi. Blink if you're there against your will. No, yeah, I will. Work. I've never come in this house and been rushed down to the basement so quickly. Ooh. It was amazing. I actually did feel kidnapped, but in like a sexy way. It's all good. Someone else is in charge of the kids. Get downstairs. Yes, yes, I I know the feeling. Anyway, um, I am a a senior editor at NPR. I often, I mostly work in books, uh, but I often uh, guest on a podcast called Pop Culture Happy Hour. And I talk about TV sometimes on that. And what else can I tell you about myself? I'm really like a Buffy person. That's my... That's my true, my first two love. Yeah. Um, I met Once Tina. more with feeling, Barry. Come on. Once more. I'm a, what? <laughs> oh, please. I've, I've like gone to that thing and stunned the singing and the, I'm that person. The sing-alongs? Oh, yeah. So I met Tina on a playground because our kids are friends. Um, and uh, it became clear that we both watched Outlander. And I really don't know a lot of people that watch Outlander. Like, that's... Really? Yeah, because I feel like... It's kind of a niche show, really. I guess so. That's what it is. And it's like a show for people that like television and story and, you know, I mean... Have stars. Yeah, and time travel. (laughs) Time travel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. super hot redheads. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, super hot redheads. Did I say that? <laughs> Shirtless, super yeah. hot redheads. Yeah. yeah. I keep hearing, I'm hearing a repeating. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the microphone. It keeps saying redhead. I don't know what's happening. It's really weird. I don't anyway. know that a lot of people have stars, though, to be honest. Oh, is that? Well, I watched it's a it lesser on network first. It was before we had You're stars. saying we met at a playground over time travel and romance, and yes. here we are. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yep. 
point, we always were kind of the moms sitting around and talking about genre TV. And then someone, God bless them, I love all the ladies so much, but someone would come over and be like, I've never seen that. And then we would go deep in a way that was so crazy. Like, this happens, this happened on a text message chain. Like, somebody was like, have you watched? And then Tina and I were like, yes, we have. And have you seen this? And that? And this other thing? And another thing? Like, so I could not stop myself. Yeah. So we're they were like, deep. I'm on episode one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I and I kind of like it. And I'm like, but did you notice X, Y, and Z? You know. So anyway, that was how we met and how we, you know. And then we have, I think, also very similar taste in terms of like want to not be in the world often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I like both. I I do watch a lot of uh, you know psychologically realistic. XYZ, but I, my favorite things are like, I'm a Star Trek Next Generation gal. I'm Buffy. I'm Battlestar Galactica. I'm, that's me. So, and it's hard to find us on a playground. (laughs) (laughs) It is not hard to find us on this podcast. No, No, right. Are there, are there aliens or dragons or some sort of superpower or sci-fi? Yeah. Right. We're Absolutely. in. And if we can't find it, we'll write it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do it. All right. So before we dive in, Beep, you have a really exciting announcement. There's a thing that happened this past weekend. I'm going to try to talk normal now or else it's just going to get worse. <laughs> so maybe Allison Down is coming on our podcast, but mostly she definitely is. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> So we have Allison and Terry. They're going to be coming on to discuss 303 with us. So they're going to really go through and break down Olivia in that. And we'll also get the chance to ask uh, her some overarching arc questions for Olivia. So if you want to send us some questions, we'll use as many as we can. If you want to send us your questions, just do so by June 19th. You can either email us at wordofthewitnesses at gmail.com. Or DM us on Twitter at 12MRewatchPod. We're really looking forward to that. And we're so grateful to both of them, um, Terry for setting it up and Allison for being so willing because we just haven't heard a lot of content from her. So we're very excited mm-hmm. to hear about our very own super villain. And I'm I'm going to practice just like listening to her voice mm-hmm. and like keeping my shit together. Right. So that when we talk to the actual, the voice, what did Todd Stashwick say? It sounds like what bourbon... It's like what bourbon would sound like. Yes. I can't remember exactly or angry, what he said. What do you say? Angry velvet? I, he had like a oh, real Bourbon and velvet. Angry. That might have been what he yeah, said. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So we'll try or maybe I'll just release a version of the podcast that only has what she's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it doesn't all go together, I feel like that people would super appreciate that. So we'll we'll release the whole interview and then just one that's just Allison talking. <laughs> That would right. be amazing if it turned out that you could just play that and you would instantly, like, just be trimmed. That it was magic somehow. <laughs> they would just be like, oh, I just play that for my kids. And usually they fell asleep, like, in their soup. <laughs> <laughs> she did pop up. She did pop up. She popped up on a kid's show. Oh, really? That was filmed in Canada. And it was like, she was the neighbor's mom. And she came out and was like, in her voice, like, why don't you guys come inside? And I was, like, was like, don't, don't come inside! inside! <laughs> Exactly. Get those children away from her. But I mean, all kidding aside, what she has to do is like a super high degree of difficulty. 
and she nails it. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, that's not yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, Barry, we have, we ask every new panelist sort of a gauntlet of questions just so listeners can kind of get to know how they came at the story. Mm-hmm. Wait, can we go off script for one second yeah. on this? Yes. Yeah. Because I am amazed and baffled. You actually finished this last night. Is that right? I did. <laughs> so before like the regular questions, I really just want to know, like, how do you feel right now? I don't know how you're doing this. <laughs> I, like, I I'm really blown. I also, I will say I watched the last three. I watched one minute more beginning one and two last night. And my, I mean, this is boring, but I was a little, you know, my husband isn't here. I'm like, it was after sort of a big weekend of celebrating a milestone birthday. Not mine. Obviously I'm 25, but um, <laughs> I uh, have an anniversary for my 25th birthday every year. I know, this is the best. <laughs> I like it. Anyway, but I, but I was sort of, I was, I needed to be, it was actually the best way to watch it. And I'm telling you, I was weeping. I mean, actually one minute more, which, you know, Everybody can have their favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Like that episode, which is why I'm actually so glad to be talking about Mother. Yeah. Because those two are so related. But I loved One Minute More. And I mean, I was weeping, openly weeping. And same deal. Oh, my God. The whole, the sort of double epilogue of beginning, of the second beginning, you know, where you see where everybody is. I'm like losing it. And then to see the like coda, I, I mean, I was just like... I ha- you know that feeling when you watch, you know this feeling. You know that feeling. Of course you know this feeling. Anyway, so <laughs> you know that feeling where you really cannot calm down from it, from whatever your emotional state is? I really couldn't calm down. And I, God, but I went outside on my balcony and I had a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> because we had like this giant party and the house is just like full of cigarettes and stuff. And I was like, well, this is perfect. <laughs> Nobody's there. I just, like sat with the basil and the mint in our herb garden <laughs> on our little, and I was just like, <laughs> oh, like just chilling. You straight up pulled a Jones. Oh, oh, what a tribute i know i saw her at the park and her kids were playing and she was like deacon's head was chopped off he's my favorite (laughs) and i just had to like keep a game face you You did a good job now that i look back on that did i could you you couldn't tell no now that i now that i remember that cycle that timeline (laughs) that you're in i you did a really good job because i i i love deacon i know like i would write the fan fiction with Cassie and Deacon. Is that like a crazy? I'm some, there must be people that are into this. Yeah. Oh, there's like, people who are into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. So I'm, I'm a Deacon gal. A Deacon Cassie. Yeah. So throw a, you're a good man in there somewhere. Oh my God. <laughs> died. <laughs> I died. Oh, I'm so glad that my kids were asleep because they would have just found their mother like a sobbing mess. <laughs> And I was also, because my husband's out there, I'm, like, in a king-size bed, like, right in the middle. I'm, like, surrounded by technology and, like, an, half an empty bottle of wine. But I had put it in, like, a sippy so that it didn't spill. <laughs> like, I look like such a crazy lady. You're supposed to take pictures of that and post them. That's it's true. true. That's a thing of people posting pictures of piles of tissues. Oh, yeah. my God. I should have done that. that. I really was such... I I, I do... I will tell you, I do, I'm not going to show this to you, but I do have a selfie of myself this morning because I was up so late and I was so crazy. And I saw this woman that I work with who is just this incredibly accomplished, like, 
person who looms large and I, she was walking her three children to school in like a perfect polka dotted dress and like full face. And I was literally in my jammies with no bra and no <laughs> shoes, Tina. I like basically pulled up. I was like, Gus, you're doing drop off today. And those kids out. Like I, sh- I will show you this, but you cannot show anyone like, cause I took a picture of her out the window, like a creeper. <laughs> picture of myself because I was like this is the difference between her and me you people that have don't obsess over TV I have a hangover from watching a really emotional it was like a hangover yes that was exactly it anyway I looked like a crazy person but I was a very happy crazy person so yeah I've, I've never talked about something that like this so fresh so I may not have even metabolized this properly You'll, you will forgive me Right, but in general, then, why do you love 12 Monkeys? <laughs> oh, well, um, so I, this is going to sound funny, but I really love um, optimism in my pessimism. Like, mm-hmm. I like apocalypse that thinks we might be okay as, as humans. So like my, and this feels very similar in a lot of ways. Um, my favorite book, Apocalypse, is um, Station Eleven. Uh, which I highly recommend to anybody that likes 12 monkeys uh, because it, it, there is an essential and, you know, really studied goodness to the characters. And that makes me feel better about the world that we live in. And, you know, I think I'm, I just, I, I, I love to imagine the stuff that's terrible, but, but know that at the, you know, it is surrounded by the web of, goodness that I this sounds so sad these no, days it's, but no, it's hope yeah. like it's hope, it's right? hope that mm-hmm. is surrounded by hope it's like how you I mean this is why I, I do and I've come to Star Wars actually pretty late too but I love this idea that there's a that there's a the force you know mm-hmm. and that there's an essential goodness so that is what I love about sort of the vision of 12 monkeys that things are shitty but they're but a hero there will be heroes and it could be you so that's what I love about 12 Monkeys. And also I love science fiction and I love time travel and I love Cassie's hair. So like, <laughs> I love you how I thank Aaron Marker for that. The end, so. We do. We have a headcanon that it's really Aaron Marker who's doing all of her elaborate. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Nice. <laughs> well, so, I mean, you, because you review, you know, your job is reviewing mm-hmm. stories and books. Do you have, just sort of building on what you just said, any mm-hmm. sort of observations about the storytelling in the show? Yeah, I do. I mean, what I, one thing that I think is really excellent and, you know, there are things about, pre- so there's, there's something that we talk about a lot, which I think is very annoying, but I'm going to say these words, which is prestige television. And, you know, we're in this golden era. And, and I think that people sort of mistook uh, shows like The Wire and The Sopranos and uh, Deadwood, and which are excellent. These are all, I mean, I particularly love Deadwood, but these are all excellent shows. But I think people mistook those shows for being uh, something, there was something glitzy about them, or but what they were really about was character, right? And that they were going to seal you to who a person was, and you were going to see them through their journey. And I mean, that's why I'm sure we've talked about this at some point We the, in this podcast, but that's why Game of Thrones was so hard toward mm-hmm. the end, because it was like you betrayed these characters. And I think there are, there are shows that fail this in some ways, like Mad Men and 
places and oh. you know mm-hmm. yes i hear you i hear that sigh <laughs> I, I feel that you. is so far beyond a sigh oh my <laughs> god yeah that's like a it's guttural right yeah right that's like your tummy right um but what i really what i observe about this story in particular is that the characters do what I believe what the characters are doing. The characters have shown me who they are and then they behave that way. And, you know, to then layer that on top of an extremely like engineered, like structure, I mean, the scaffolding upon which it almost doesn't matter, but the fact that it is on this gorgeous cathedral of time travel that is so really sort of shows these characters in a way that is uh, really beautiful and rigorous you know mm-hmm. um so that is what i i really love about it and then i also here's a thing that i think people i mean this is what i really love about buffy in particular is that it's it's funny and it's fun it's okay to laugh in this mm-hmm. i mean we're gonna make fun of hitler you know we're gonna there's gonna be these amazing music moments there's one in mother that's just incredible mm-hmm. uh you know and that I think is really important in an apocalypse show because it's like, that's what we're fighting for. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know? So that, that, that is for me what I really love about 12 monkeys. I also love, so sorry, I'm going to stop at some point, but I really love so much how I thought it was really, I think it's sort of a brave choice to say, I've told these stories and I'm done. Like they were done, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. that this is, this was, these were their cycles. This is what happened. You can argue about that epilogue. You can, uh, you know, but this is the story I'm telling and I'm going to walk away from it. And I think the best literature does that. So, and then this certainly belongs in that canon. In terms of endings, this is so interesting that you just finished the show (laughs) off of, I listened to you on another podcast, talk about the Game of Thrones ending. And there's a lot of discussion about endings. What do you, I mean, maybe you've already, but what you came away just saying that, like about the ending. That was, it was perfect because it had the, the, I guess these, the three things that I think are really important, which is that I know you're not going to get closure on everything. Life isn't like that. But that is what we turn to story for. Because we don't know how our own story ends. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, as 12 Monkeys, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as 12 Monkeys says, you know, like, I don't know. Maybe right. maybe Tina's going to murder me down here. Who knows? How <laughs> <laughs> our story ends. <laughs> you know. So we don't get closure on our own stories. So that's kind of the promise of stories is that you're going to, that there will be an ending. And what I particularly loved about this one is that and I the word meta is so overused but that it was a meditation on why endings are important and you know so for me that eat that there is literally a um uh a monologue not a monologue but this moment where Cole is saying to Cassie why it's important that there is an ending you know is could be said to any showrunner, <laughs> right? Anywhere, <Yeah. laughs> which is like, you, you know, it's great to, when you're, but you've got to, it's got to have an end. Otherwise it didn't exist, you know? And so that's really, that's really important. And I also, I do. So I think, you know, a lot of, 
a lot of people feel like, you know, you don't need to wrap up every single thing. But what I thought was so wonderful about this ending is that they balanced the tiny things they wrapped up so well with the large things. So for instance, you know, there was a moment in the park where I asked you, I was like, where's she getting those cigarettes? And they wrapped it up. <laughs> like, God bless you. Like, thank you. That's, you were just growing that great. Thank you. You know, the interesting the, thing is, too, is that actually creates a, a moment of levity. It's yes. funny because nobody yeah. would ever like it's a question you had all throughout. You don't expect them to answer that. Exactly. Not at this point. And she's about to die. Right. Yeah. And she has me laughing about right. it next to the cucumbers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they, that, and that's it also just proves so much how well they knew these characters. You know what I mean? That that was going to be that was really part of, of Jim's like that's who she is. So that so they wrapped up the little stuff and then also the big stuff like oh my god that uh, the the corpse the 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 patient zero yeah. that was I was just like yes because <laughs> so it was also such a big like it was a broad statement to make mm-hmm. you know what I mean like it was it was what's the right word for this it was it was kind of goofy it was like yeah. And that skeleton, you know who that is? Like, I just, I love that. So I thought the balance of closure was so wonderful. And actually, so those are the things I think character, I think closure. And then I think the third thing that is really important in a finale is that you, is that there's some catharsis. You know, you need to feel like there was a, re- that you have been rewarded for your time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my disaster of a bed with this and that and like the one cigarette sitting out in my herb garden. Like those are all, you know, that, that was evidence of that. So this one really is, I think, extraordinarily good. And I have found myself people, whenever I hear people talk about the game of thrones thing, I'm like, well, you need to read this piece by my friend because like, I'm not just, I'm not the only one that thinks it's amazing. (laughs) Anyway. So Deacon's your favorite character. Yes. Tell us why. I think, I mean, this is personal, but I, you know, I, I didn't marry Deacon, but I dated. <laughs> and I mean, I married more than one person. Like I'm, I'm on number two. So I was, try, I was like, it wasn't like it was perfect, but I tend to marry really great people. And I was always in some, in between some, the, the damaged person that I knew was a good man. And so TV is a place for me to indulge that fantasy, which is why, like, I'm just like, oh my God, where's the Cassie D. Sneaking moment? Like when I saw, you know, that little moment that they have, I guess, in season two, like, yeah. I went so deep on the internet and I was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> I need more. Yes. Because for me, I'm really sublimating the, like, bad boy desire, which is just you know, like, I'm I'm not going to marry that guy, but I, and I love the guy that I did. Hi, honey. Um, kids are asleep. Uh, but I, like, dated that guy a lot. And I, and I, I also, like, that, that guy, the deacon model of person is such a, another great thing about how we can really believe that humans can change. Mm-hmm. And that. Trauma does not define us, no matter what Sansa says. Mm. Uh. <laughs> As we all had deaths. Right, right, right. Right. So I love, I love Deacon. And I will say, like, I also adore, adore Jens. I, like, 
that and it, from the beginning, I was like, that was the reason I really kept watching. Anyway, she's incredible. I know. There are not enough Jones gifts. Like, why aren't or chip, whatever. There's there's not enough of her in the world. Yeah. That's what I was to say. So Beeps, those two. Beeps working on it. We need more Jones gifts. God, make it happen. The one where she's with the, there's one moment and I, whatever. I want to make it, I'm going to, I need you to make this gif for me. Anyway. <laughs> huge fan of her too. Do you have a favorite moment? You just, you talked about the Cassie and Deacon one, but do you have a, like a favorite, a standout moment? I really do. I mean, is this so lame to say I really love when he's talking to her about stopping when, when he's like, we need an ending. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, that is the, you know what it reminded me of? This is so dumb, but I used to live in in Los Angeles and it was perfect because it's always perfect there. (laughs) And people were, when the first year that I came back to DC and I think there was a blizzard and it was such a pain in the ass and snow day. It was before I met you. So snow days were really bad. (laughs) And you know, Steve was like, Oh, don't you wish we stayed in LA? And I was like, no, because then I wouldn't like, if every day is sunny, Mm -hmm. how do I know what this is? Like, it doesn't, it, it all, I was like, how would I even remember that a year had passed? Like you don't have memories without endings, without things being thrown into relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and change and transition. It's the only way to know you're alive and making progress. So that, I really love that. And then I, I the Hitler episode is incredible. I mean, I know <laughs> that like romp that. is just amazing. And I don't, but I think the moment it's, it's cold trying to convince her to erase it. <laughs> I know. Oh. And also it's funny because I, I felt like, it was also like the writers talking to the audience. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. that it's, it's okay. okay. It's okay that the story's over mm-hmm. and it will mean more because it's ending and ending on its own terms mm-hmm. than if it just went on and on. Yes. Like Star Wars until mm-hmm. they strip away everything <laughs> that it right. ever meant to you. And right? it's just parts. <laughs> right. <laughs> so your fa- is your favorite episode Diglaka? Yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah. Although I love masks. Masks. I, you know, it turns out I love like a great big period romp, you know. Remember, I've only watched this once, you guys. I know. She's only watched it once. And she I'm just finished rookie. it last night. I'm a virgin. <laughs> well, really, I'm like a, whatever. I'm <laughs> we won't it's want it's hard it. when you binge something to, to even differentiate where the episodes start and end. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. Because it was like just... I did have the same feeling that I do when I read like a great big epic novel. Yeah. Yeah, Like it all just, you know, is it's comprehensive. It's Mm -hmm. not like you can't break it down to the sum of its parts. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So after you finished, Mm -hmm. I sent you the, the alternative take. Do you think Cassie stopped the countdown? And this question is actually confusing. So do you think the epilogue we see is real? Mm hmm. And that time winks. God, that was such a clever image. And I it's in se- it's, it's in, in season two. two. Four. Wait, what? Oh yeah, it winks. It's in, in two o four. They repeat the image. I know. <laughs> There's gonna be a lot of oh fucks as we go through this. Um, or do you think that they are that Cassie brought about the red forest? She didn't stop the countdown, and what we're seeing is Cassie's basically alternative reality. I, I mean, you know, I'm an optimist. I think I absolutely think she stopped the countdown like i that's he convinced her if he convinced me he convinced her <laughs> you know what i mean yep 
And, and by the way, I would have been really happy and fine with an ending that had her looking out of the sunset, at the house of cedar and pine saying, I'll see you soon. I would have, I would, mm-hmm. I would have thought that was a perfect ending too. Mm-hmm. And even so, if he didn't come back, even if he didn't come back. Yeah. And I, but you're saying epilogue. I sort of thought of that as a coda, mm-hmm. right? You know, something that was like, if you want, try this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the cheese course. <laughs> Exactly, which is why I I love that there's an that there's an option for you know diehard pessimists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I work in news, like I can't think like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So for me, and it was really nice to know that Terry thought that it was that it wasn't that she had he right he thought that mm-hmm. she had stopped it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like that's great. He thinks so. Me too. Okay. Yeah, it's he just wrote it. Full. If you right, he did write it. If you were standing there and it meant your husband and your children, mm-hmm. whole world down with you. But I mean, there's another, you know, there's another viewpoint that maybe maybe yeah. it's a good thing for everybody. Well, so one thing that I think is sort of nice, and I mean, you wouldn't know this if you were standing there, is that is the the Ramsey Sam epilogue, you know, that you mm-hmm. see them playing, and you know that thing where you're. This has happened to everybody. I'm sure we were like, well, if I hadn't done this, I wouldn't have met you. Mm-hmm. Or if I hadn't, you know, and I think this happens very often with women that have suffered either miscarriage or infertility. If, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have you, right? Mm-hmm. And in a in a funny way, by seeing that Sam with that Ramsey, it's like you would always have them, mm-hmm. right? And that I thought was like the most hopeful image in a funny way that mm-hmm. that like you could have. I, I was always, you were always going to be mine. And it isn't, I didn't have to have that trauma to have you. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I liked to think that I would have stopped the countdown, you know, because all, you know, it's like love survives. You're always, you're always going to have those people. So I, I liked to think that I would have. Yeah. It's good. That's a, you know, no one's come at it from that angle because that is, it's basically having hope that. Mm-hmm it'll somehow still find a way. Yeah. Yeah. That that person, that combination of DNA, mm-hmm. that's going to find its way to you. Yeah. It's beautiful, Barry. What's well, beautiful? 12 monkeys. Um, <laughs> I'm just one monkey. All right. But I have to ask this. I know you love I do. costumes. I do. Talk to us about the costumes on the show. Well, I mean, I knew I was in early on when we went back in time and she had the marceled hair and the red dress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I love that dress. The 1940s. Yes, mm-hmm. I love the 40s. But I, guys, I love masks mm-hmm. because I watch a lot of those period films. And this is a, not a, like, I know this is not like a, a huge budget. And I thought it looked amazing. I thought Eliza looked amazing. I thought the different, I thought it looked wonderful. And then, I mean, just purely on, I just, those leather jackets. I know. They're, good. <laughs> they're a lot. They're good. they're a lot. And I will say it does go. This is like one of those things that really um so this is like a fashion truth, which is that if you put a leather jacket on, you will be cooler and better and maybe save the world. <laughs> and so it's true. Like I'm just like women that I that are like not interested in clothes, that's great. I'm so you do you and whatever, but do try this leather jacket. Like cuz it is like armor. <laughs> right? So. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cassie season two in a leather jacket. Oh my God. Season two. Like I just, that was the, every time she like sat up again after a lullaby, I was like, Ooh, the jacket's still there. Everything's going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. (laughs) Did you, so your two favorites was masks. Masks and the, and the early forties. And when Amanda Shul was on, she said that that was Mm. a period costume, but that she like, like, what, what, remember? Beep, what did she say? Like, it, it like, fell apart. Like, it's just, oh, like, it was so tore old. it, right? Yeah. Oh, so it was, man. like, yeah. Yeah, it did. We watch a lot of BBC period dramas, and it, it looked gorgeous. The length was perfect. It's that thing, like, right past the knee, because there's, like, a part, like, right after the knee, right before the calf. Like, you got to get that right. And, and you, you got to see the boot with the buttons. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. And her hair. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good stuff. All right. So, we're in season three. Woo! We're halfway through our oh, rewatch, gosh. guys. Um, every episode from this point forward was written. So, season three and season four were written knowing that the end was mm-hmm. coming and that they had 20 slash 21 episodes, depending on how you count that last finale, um, to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, now, by as Jennifer, what did Ethan tell Jennifer to see the puzzle from above? Now, when we yeah. rewatch, particularly, there's a lot of clues and we've mm-hmm. had a lot of fun going, but watching three and four now, we're truly seeing the puzzle, puzzle from above. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I just thought, I mean, this ep- the episode we're talking about today is Mother. It's written by Terry Metalis. It's directed by Terry mm-hmm. Metalis. I think this is his debut mm-hmm. um, directing. And I thought that this, there's been a lot of really beautiful episodes and, and images to look at. This but I thought that this was a really striking episode visually. Yes. Um, whether it's like the fields of Heather and the sort of 2163 wasteland of the mm-hmm. Flatiron Building or mm-hmm. London or um, Titan. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's all sort of like the rich reds and all. There's all sorts of really interesting imagery. So it... Um, the Twelve Handmaid's Tale? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but somehow this show, like as you said on the budget, it's always had beautiful cinematography, mm-hmm. but this is the season that has started to win awards for cinematography. Mm-hmm. And... I don't, there's been a lot of, you know, block shooting, a lot of things that they did to kind of make every penny go as far as it could, but it just looks this whole season and the next one visually to me look a little bit distinct from the two previous ones. Yeah. Um, We have leveled up. Yeah. (laughs) So before we jump into sort of the scene by scene breakdown, there were a couple big picture things I wanted us to keep in mind as we're going through. Um, the first is we like to point out when you should kind of watch another piece of an episode to help this one make sense. One thing I'd really recommend, particularly for the the Emerson Hotel Future mm-hmm. Asshole and Cole, is to go watch the first 15 minutes of the beginning part one in season four. So the first part of the two-part season finale, so that you can kind of orient yourself in future asshole's point of view Mm -hmm. when he's sitting there and having that conversation. Just if you like enjoy maybe making yourself cry as you watch (laughs) a scene that used to be really humorous. And we actually had this experience. Barry was talking about snow days. Mm -hmm. We had a snow day where we, we put the kids in front of the Lego movie and we went upstairs and I was sitting next to her for her first watch of this episode. And I, 
had to like get up and go like get Elsewhere. A, go get coffee <laughs> and pretend because I got emotional and you were laughing at the Futurassel stuff and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> He's sitting there knowing he has to be erased, right? So, all right. The other thing that I think is really, we've made a lot of sort of talking about the three-dimensional chess that Mm -hmm. season four Olivia, witness Olivia has been playing all throughout season one, in particular season two. Now we've got, I kind of think of it as two different games of chess. Mm -hmm. We now have two, and you can see it even threads of this episode, some more... Um, textual than others. We get hints of her henchman, Malik, mm-hmm. who is maybe not on the same team as the Pallid Man mm-hmm. and Magdalena, but this is future asshole is being sent by Team Splinter mm-hmm. to preserve the cycle. Right. And so we've got two different actors now in the future intervening in the events of this episode, um, and it's the two gins. Right. It's the two products of time travel that mm-hmm. are doing it. Right. Yeah, and they both they both know everything up to this point until there's that final shift for the Battle of Titan. Right, right, right. Um, the episode title is Mother. There is a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the first being obviously Cassie and Titan with Magdalena in a, as you just said, sort of Handmaid's Tale mm-hmm. hell. Um, do you have sort of any, there's a lot of really, some of it really interesting meditations on different kinds of mothers Mm -hmm. and a line that really hits me later on the episode, all mothers are important, but also women being viewed as a vessel. Right. And sort of, so it, I feel like as a woman watching this episode, I go on a really up and down ride of, um, and you and I were sitting next to each other during like the scene at the end, the birth scene, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. Do you, That's brutal. It's Even a lot. as someone without children, that is brutal. So do you guys have any sort of big picture? There's a, there's a lot to unpack with sort of how it explores motherhood and women and childbirth. There's, there's a lot there. I mean, w- one thing that I think is really interesting upon having finished the series and looking back at this is that you think that the mothers that you're concerned about are Cassie and Magdalena. Um, and really like the, the, actually the episode is about Hannah and Jones and they're, you know, I, that those lovely callback of like you little shit, you little shit, <laughs> you know, like is so, is so lovely. And what's funny that you say vessel, you know, we see Cassie's pregnancy. We see her like in this terrible birth and we see the force feeding and that's like, ugh. but we really like, we see the kind of blood and guts of pregnancy with her. And these are things we don't see with Hannah and Jones in the same way. Mm-hmm. We just don't see them as vessels. We just see them as connections, mm-hmm. which to me is this sort of, commentary on the how, how to explain this without sounding like I'm an anti because I don't there are, the the vessel matters but the relationship matters more you know and and that so I mean even having been in the position of having a person come out of my body I still I still like that that's the the real like looking back on that episode the real thing I'm kind of concerned with is Hannah and Cole and that Mm-hmm. And how they're like speaking to each other, and it's sort of interesting because, like, the and I know that's not the mother that they're 
that the episode is actually focused no, on. No, it's but the looking, hidden meaning. Right, right, right. I mean, they. I think at one point, one writer came on mm-hmm. it saying that they thought that they made it too obvious. I, I had no idea oh, no. until the end of One Minute More. But when you really go sad. back, you're like, they put Hannah mm-hmm. and Cole together for the first time. In you, the episode. In the episode, yeah. right? And you have a whole scene later mm-hmm. on that is almost comedic. Right. Now that you know that she's right. his mother on the mm-hmm. bridge, where she's saying right. to him, like, no, it's time to go home. Right. Right? That is played for this, like, there's this level of comedy there that you don't appreciate until mm-hmm. you know that it's his mom. Right. Who's telling him it's time to come home. Because the episode is the vessel. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's all kinds of clues, right? Mm-hmm. Like, down the... the you know, there's like these, there's a lot of objects and what objects mean mm-hmm. in this episode. Pocket watches. Oh, yeah. Wrist mm-hmm. watches. Um, the handkerchief that Ariana tries to give her, but the scarf. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the episode opens with the scarf right. on Hannah. We mm-hmm. see the scarf on future asshole talking mm-hmm. to Cole because it's a memory of his mother who he's oh, just right. lost. And then at the end of the episode, we see the scarf back on her when he returns to 2044. And the clues are all there. Yeah. And the name of the episode is Mother. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I don't know if, if you're aware of this, Barry, but whenever uh, Brooke, who plays Hannah, came on, she was told, like, immediately. Oh, that she she's was the only one mom. that knew. Yeah, she's oh, the only one nice. that knew. And if you ever pay attention throughout, she always calls him James. And, that was, oh, and she's, like, the only person that, that does that. So and so it just shows, like, that there's this different level of relationship. And even though she's unaware, yeah. at, you know, as the character... She's still just like they have a different kind of connection, which is very oh, interesting to so me. So lovely, God! I really do have to rewatch this whole thing. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. but it also, that way, it does go to show you like the level up of season three. Like we're really in a different, you know, not just cinematography, but this is where, like you say, the puzzle pieces and whatever. This is where it becomes like a whole new degree of difficulty that it's hitting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting to watch now. In light of this whole bigger conversation we're having mm-hmm. about endings, mm-hmm. this is maybe what writers can do when they know the end is there. Yeah. Right? And it, yeah. And it also obviously means something to mm-hmm. nail it because Game of Thrones knew the ending was there too. <laughs> so um, there's another – there's other couple of sort of like big picture themes I just want to keep in mind mm-hmm. as we go through. I think this is another one where love – and loss, mm-hmm. sort of losing people and and trauma and what you find hope in or mm-hmm. whether you don't. Yeah. I mean, we have an attempted suicide in this episode. That's right, yeah. We have Cole, like, we probably haven't seen him since the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, Real mess. He's a mess, mm-hmm. right? Like, a mad, mad dog. dog. He's not eating. Mm-hmm. He's not sleeping. This is That's a far cry from the Cole who was mm-hmm. the leader always, like, preaching hope to everybody yeah. last season, right? Yeah. So it's kind of, I love those two lines in this show. It's the losing that haunts us. It's the heart that sustains us. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those two lines, I thought a lot about watching these two characters, like particularly with Cassie and Cole, um, there's a lot of loss and they kind of go, they kind of flip roles this season in yeah. terms of who is hopeful and in, in mm-hmm. thinking they can save their son and who for at least a long while because it's of like, their own self-doubt is, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like, I'm not, yeah. Um, do you guys have any thought, 
to me, this is the season that got, and this seems crazy to say even in a show that had time travel mm-hmm. and primaries and paradoxes, but it's even more sci-fi. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, suddenly we're in, like, yeah. No, <laughs> You're doing, yeah. And for those that can't see, she's, yeah. she's doing, she's like outlining a splinter suit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Don't press the self-destruct button. Right, no, no. It's just a Midwest shirt. <laughs> Okay, don't worry. I just feel like this is where all the people and pieces are like finally on the board. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And so they really truly start to move. Like a lot of the movement we've had up till now has been truly set up. And it's not to say it never went anywhere by any Mm -hmm. means. Mm -mm. But this is where like now everybody's involved. Like all of the big players have come into the story. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got like a Handmaid's Tale cult. Mm -hmm. We've got... Splinter suits and people that in the middle of a fight can disappear. We yes. have like, right? Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. got like parliament decaying mm-hmm. in the background. I feel yeah. like it's just blown open. The like, yeah, we're full on crazy yeah. sci-fi show. And we're I'm doing. Like, it. I love it. Yeah, yeah bringing <laughs> and, in twenty one sixty three like really raises the stakes too because now they know looking back and it, it's kind of tough. But true. I feel like Jones can even use this as a bit of a justification. Like we couldn't have cured this. Like. Humanity is doomed. Mm-hmm. Right. There's nothing. It There's does nothing raise there. the stakes. Which is interesting because last episode, Terry was saying that they considered making Titan and sort of 2163 a kind of blade oh, a runner. a little more. Like, you know, things are, they're under tight control, but at least going well. Right. But I think this, you're right. This does raise the stakes. There's mm-hmm. nothing. Right. You know, when Hannah says, what, what am I protecting him from? There's no people. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything right. is gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, glad they made that choice. I'm trying to think of what it would have done to have made it more, like, livable is the wrong word, but to have made it more Blade Runner. Like, this is just a future. Right. But this is like, they said, there's no future. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's what they're, what that group is fighting for, mm-hmm. is, yeah. like, the destruction of everything so that they can have the future of their own making, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had a moment watching the conversation when Future Asshole tells Cole the future is Jennifer. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I felt this time watching it, we'll get into like what that all actually means mm-hmm. plot-wise later, but I felt like it also was a turning point for how prominent Jennifer becomes in the story. Yes. Right. No, she's yeah. your favorite yeah. beat. But not yeah, only like when too. Jennifer's the future, Jennifer's the answer, she... Uh, obviously everyone is they couldn't have right what i love about this show is that they couldn't have gotten it all done if it isn't for everybody playing their role of but course yeah. she is yeah she is the key mm-hmm. she's the right? linchpin and mm-hmm. in some ways it kind of um subverts is my least favorite word now talking about tv lately but you know when this show was set up cole as sort of like the time jesus right and yeah. he still obviously has the great sacrifice to make in mm-hmm. the end but mm-hmm. jennifer you know she's time mary magdalene or mary <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah. i didn't say magdalene i'm a jew Forget, <laughs> guys i don't know why i even tried to delve into that particular mythology <laughs> sorry Jennifer's always been around and she's been there since the very yes. beginning. But in so many ways, she's such a secondary character. And right. of course, they've painted her, you know, as any chance they get, she's still painted as like a little bit cuckoo bananas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it's not to say she's not. She definitely thinks differently and is neurodivergent in mm-hmm. <laughs> many, many ways. But this just really 
it, it does. I mean, this episode is the one that like really just casts her into the limelight as far as like, she's not just someone to tell you guys what to do when you run out of options. Like this person is key. She yeah. has all the stuff. Right. And, and not only that, I think they also, starting with this episode with, with the music video that mm. happens in the middle oh. of it or, <laughs> or the yeah. super meta mm-hmm. plays in France in the next episode, right? Throughout. I, I love those. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, or, or what you're saying, DeGlocka, mm-hmm. it's like they, there was always humor with her. Mm-hmm. We had the Mary Tyler Moore montage mm-hmm. in season two. It was always there, but I feel like now that humor and what she can bring to the show in terms of that, like comic relief, as you were mm-hmm. saying, is like put front and center, which you need, right? This whole season is about whether or not two people need to kill their son. Mm-hmm. And you need, you mm-hmm. need that release. In this that episode is generally depressing. Just, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, 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 as I look at this season, you've got, you've got an episode that is whether it's Cole going off the rails or Cassie in this hell, mm-hmm. when, when all of a sudden Jennifer is singing in German 99 red balloons, yeah. you can exhale, right? <laughs> yes. And when you get to brothers, mm-hmm. And you have to watch Cole kill his brother. Yeah. And the next episode, you get to yeah. go on the 80s yes. heist, right? Yeah. You can exhale, right? Yeah. And so they use her. And Deacon's eventually going to mm-hmm. get brought into mm-hmm. that comic relief, too. But I just sort of, like, when they said that line, Jennifer's the future, I'm like, in so many ways, right. she comes to play such an important role. Well, and that thing that I think makes the series special, like I was saying, that it is funny, that is like Jennifer is the heart of that. You know, she is that like, because the thing is, is that the red balloons, that's not funny. Like that's, <laughs> no. those are headshots. Like, like, that's not funny, but it's, it's hilarious. Like, and I made gifts of it. <laughs> it's amazing. But it's like in, on paper, that's not funny. No. And, <laughs> and I love that she, you know, I also, I have to say, I think there's like a lovely message again, because she is not neurotypical and, you know, that, that there, that it's also for her, it's a blessing as well. It's a blessing that she doesn't have to deal with these Nazis because she's in that she's singing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah, that was a defense mechanism. Right. And it saved her. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like this one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Me too, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so then we can jump into the mm-hmm. opening montage. Second season that opens up with sort of a narrator telling mm-hmm. us a story. Uh, last season, it was Madeline Stowe. Mm-hmm. This season, we open up with that, like, epic. It looks like a movie mm-hmm. shot of Cole. You made this gift for me, Beep. I did, because um, his hair's <laughs> blowing in the wind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not... Okay, fine. That's why you made the gift. It is 100% why I made It's it. also a gorgeous <laughs> shot, all right? But um, you have sort of this, like, holy shit, that is New York in 2163. Mm. And it's fascinating because it left off with this, season two left off with that like beeping dot of what is 2163 mm-hmm. and they just hit it with you. Mm. Boom. But then they choose Jones to be the one to tell the story. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any, and I know Beep, you probably watched this more recently. Barry, this was probably a few weeks ago mm-hmm. for you, but they do a lot of 
they're constantly framing it. It's a narrator telling you, summarizing things as if it's almost like a fairy tale or a story, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, like, yeah. how do I tell you? Um, Jones is a new perspective than we've had, though, which is right. interesting. Yeah, right, right. So it's, it's not, you know, you don't have to assume that everyone is necessarily a reliable narrator. And it's not to say that she's mm-hmm. unreliable, but she's coming at it from her own perspective and her own priorities, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. Right. It's yep. interesting to see her priorities, like what she thought was important about the story. Yeah. Um, there's a couple a couple interesting points to it. They make clear that Jones thinks that it's a man from the future who calls himself the witness. Mm-hmm. There's actually a clue later on in the mm-hmm. episode that maybe it's not who they think it is um, or who some people in the episode at this point think it is. Um, you've got... You know, I think it establishes elegantly, quickly, that this has been going on for months. Mm-hmm. And it's hopeless. Right. Um, You're already tired, and they don't have to do a lot of work to show that. It's actually right. really cleverly done. It's over and over. Um, mm-hmm. But again, like, even, you know, and, and the time is no longer on our side with Jones mm-hmm. wondering that. And then it kind of ends with that that blinking light. Can I please just say that every time I see that, I just so desperately wanted them to be playing the song Time yeah. is on our side <laughs> and like do a full on record scratch when she said no longer. I'm just like, yeah. ah, come on. Right. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting though that in her own way too, she's kind of revealing her relationship with Cole and like her thoughts about him, because as much as she's worried about the mission, she's truly worried about him. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So and how that, he's destructing You get himself. that dynamic here. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I find this sort of the other subtle, really interesting work that they do in this episode entitled mother, mm-hmm. <laughs> because in a way this episode is a story about this Jones family. Mm-hmm. Jones, the grandmother, Hannah, the mother, um, Cole, the grandson. Mm-hmm. And it opens up with, I was curious about y'all's thoughts on, I found it to be a pretty, she has shown affection to him before. Mm-hmm. Yes. But Jones has always been the mission. Mm-hmm. She has let this go on for a long time. For months. Yeah. Yeah. And when she, other people are questioning mm-hmm. She's not the one questioning, saying we need to move on. And as the scene unfolds, it's about her concern for him. Yeah, because they could just not code the missions. Yeah. Like, they could just refuse to do it. It's not like he can do it on his own. Right. Right. But she's let him just continue to try and try and try. Yeah, that's right. Jones the enabler. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, so Cole's not... He's not eating, he's not mm-hmm. drinking, he's not sleeping. He's been going out, like, he's been trespassing all over mm-hmm. the world, right? We saw London, mm-hmm. right? Um, if we can go to the scene where she touches his face. I know. That's where you're just like, oh, she's the grandma. That's grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Can um, we get your uh, squeal, Cece? You <laughs> <laughs> haven't done it in a while. His, it's his grandmother. Yes. <laughs> When she's touching his face, it's funny because Cole, you know, it's funny. When Terry Metalis was on, he said that Aaron Stanford wanted to actually like have stained teeth mm-hmm. to show how much she's been drinking the red tea yes. and really go kind of like balls oh, to the wall, right? Yeah. And they were, yeah, so yeah. he's definitely like, mm-hmm. he seems 
crazed, mm-hmm. right? He's mm-hmm. focused on the wiring. He's not answering people. He's mm-hmm. not paying attention, mm-hmm. right? Like you've got really subtle like mirroring mm-hmm. she steps in front of him to get in his way which hannah's gonna do later right, right? this right. jones maternal figures do yep. not let men walk no past them. Right. <laughs> no not at all that's right but the thing that breaks him out of that is when she says she's they've already lost so many people right and then you see the moment where he's like i'm not gonna die on you um and that's about them like that's that's not mission that's like yeah no, it's really, it's affection. It's real affection. And they call back to that in early season four when they're standing over watching, you know, the original Splinter and she makes him promise that he's going to see it to the end with her. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. promise. <laughs> Hands. Oh, stop it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is that, you know, whether she's letting him do this, I have to know for me None of this is about the mission. Mm-hmm. And it's such a marked shift from the way, right? This is the woman in the pilot mm-hmm. who said, everybody you see is already dead. That's right. not what this is about. No. It's and now mission. it's, we've lost so many people. Right. Right. She and and really she's worried changed. about losing him. Right. Mm-hmm. To the point that she's going to risk, we'll go to the Hannah and Jones conversation, mm-hmm. her daughter, her ex, right. Who she's already started the whole thing for. I mean, yeah. 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 To send just to watch out for Cole. Right. Um, tell me your feelings on that badass Hannah post-apocalyptic, like, warrior goddess. Just... <laughs> I love that. There were so many pieces of other, like, so many lovely homages to other. Like, that was BSG to me. That looked like, you know, Battlestar. And then there's a handmaid and whatever. But not in a, like, in a way that looked like homage, really. Like, this is some apocalypse shit here. And the other one, we're in, like, a real fucking future dystopia bullshit. Like, I loved how much... And then there's the Star Trek, like, of the trident with the... Not trident, it's like a duint, whatever. I don't That's know what it is. looks like, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. all of the... That... that um, anyway, but that, that first where you see her in that world, that made me think immediately about Battlestar. Oh, like, the combat yeah. and the way it was shot. Oh, that's such a good point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love. I now, love when did Handmaid's start? After, 2016. After, yeah, I think they were. They were filming, filming right after the election because they, the uh, Bruce Miller always says that they woke up and they were like, "Oh, we're making a different show." Oh, okay, mm-hmm. got it. And it was filmed in the same, um, and even some of the same on locations as Twelve Monkeys. Oh, that is what. Surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I recognize that red. That's a crimson. That's like it's so funny. Crimson. So we asked this last week, if, and he, uh, Terry Mattel said he had never read Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. and that it was inspired by the next Star Wars movie you're watching with your kids, Oh, and I'm going to apologize for it, is The Phantom Menace. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Uh, I On love- behalf of geeks everywhere. I'm <laughs> sorry. I mean, it's still better than the next one. Oh, really? What's the next one? Attack of the Clones. Oh, is that the best? Oh, my voice just cracks because it pains me. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Super cut we can do. Anyway. (laughs) I'm sure there's like a YouTube like main points you can put on. So I love that's, you know, the the fact that it's like a Battlestar fighting scene, like when they're kind of Mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, that's such a good call. My impression was the conversation Jones walking in and watching her daughter. I mean, and, and Hannah is essentially now taken over as the leader of the mm-hmm. daughters, right? Jennifer mm-hmm. is missing. 
Um, she's feeding her tortoise, mm-hmm. but she is taken over and she's right. in charge of the facility. But watching this scientist, mm-hmm. a woman of like reason and she's cerebral and walking in on her daughter beating the crap out of someone. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation that ensued was like a mother daughter, I don't get your life choices. Yes. <laughs> conversation. Right. She seems but, like such a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like uh-huh. that's how they're treating each other. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like a 14 year old or 16 year old that you just cannot handle anymore. And you both hate each other. And you're just like, that's not who I am, mom. Like, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the thing that's so, me. it's so great is you've got like, you've got like Jones adolescent, mm-hmm. like you can't tell me what to do, whether it's Hannah and Jones or later Hannah and Cole. And Cole. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's getting passed down that particularly right. rebellious. So yeah. and Ethan gets it later. Absolutely. Ethan is the... Oh, oh God. I could not have... Sit down, you little shit. (laughs) Right? I mean, listen, like, I know it's tragic, the whole Ethan story, but I don't know if I would have wanted to have dealt with Ethan as a teenager. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. I, like... I don't even know if I would have really, like, stayed at lunch with him in mass. (laughs) Actually, I probably would have. Who am I kidding? I, I know you yeah. you would have stayed at dinner with him and you would have been like I should not be doing this but mm-hmm. you're still doing it yeah yeah totally but well I'm just trying to like uh, in the like bad life I'd still just be like Deacon I'll see you outside afterwards <laughs> please bring the cigarettes I will see you in the parking lot um so we get our first little shit clue mm, I love that um, where, where Jones calls Hannah a little shit. Her face is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, did you, right? <laughs> did you just, just call like, me that? She's yeah. like a puppy that's been scolded. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's she's all- like 30. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. There's a really subtle moment that I think is interesting in terms of just sort of the big picture themes about different kinds of mothers. Mm-hmm. Hannah, in talking about old Jennifer goes to call her mother and stops herself. And it's, it's subtle, right? But it's, it's there and it goes all the way through the Mm -hmm. series finale where Jones thanks Jennifer for Mm -hmm. raising her child. But it is, you know, a lot of this story is about, and the next episode is called guardians children whose lives have sort of been stolen from their parents. Right. And those, and those, They've been taken away from that vessel. Right. Yeah. Taken away from their birth parents, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's Hannah, Sam, mm-hmm. Ethan, Cole, all of these children mm-hmm. that were raised by other people and were because of this crazy time travel loop mm-hmm. taken away from their parents. And so, you know, Hannah and Jones, they don't forget that. Yeah. Um, and that mother figure isn't there. Now there's this mother figure that she still doesn't truly know mm-hmm. who's trying to tell her what to do. And it's pretty natural to be like, you're not my real mom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of moment, even though she is. Um, I mean, it's, it's, in, you know, Jones makes a good point where she's, when Hannah says, this isn't my mission. And she's like, well, it saved your life. Yeah. Um, her life also wouldn't have been lost were it not for this crazy time travel, like right. all of it, right? Right. No, that breaks my brain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and then we have sort of uh, beep when you were rewatching it, when she asks, when Cole's grandmother asks his mother 
to be his guardian and to protect him. I love him so much. You stop now. (laughs) (laughs) Do you don't want me to bring up Paradox where she was always his guardian? Oh, yeah. She was there. She's always there. Yeah. Yeah. She was there in his, like, his darkest moments. I mean, she watched. She was there when he... When he met Ramsey and she was there when his dad died and she was just always right, like yeah. his guardian angel. And yet not because she couldn't intervene, it, but she still was like making sure, you know, that yeah, he was, was okay. And she, and she was like just kind of being in his life the only way she could because she cared that deeply for him. Mm-hmm. Um, the one piece of writing, which is really clever because it has two meanings, is the greatest danger to Mr. Mm-hmm. Cole is Mr. Cole. You need to protect him from himself. Now, obviously, Cole, right, right now is his own worst enemy. He's about to go, right? Like, he's not eating, he's not sleeping, he's but also left to his own devices. He's going (laughs) to charge into a group of people with Mm -hmm. their, you know, branded Mm -hmm. Titan swords (laughs) that have the logo on it, right? right? But... He's going to face off against future asshole who is himself, right? He's about to get his swift kick in the nuts. (laughs) Yeah. From Mm -hmm. himself. Take it all in. It reminds me of like the chicken and egg old Jennifer, which is like, can I have a moment to myself, right? It's like taking these these, like phrases that we use, Mm -hmm. but they have these crazy applications. Yeah. All right. So Hannah and Cole, Mm -hmm. mother and son. Walking in that gorgeous field of Heather. Mm. Now watching it, knowing what they actually are to one another. Basically the same age. Right. Close to it. That's a good point. Because you don't... Like, this is, right, the thing about time travel that, like, parents... and You know, it's the Back to the Future thing. You get to see yourself at the same age, but they still have that relationship. I didn't think about that, that they are the same age. Mm-hmm. And they're both these like scrappy mm-hmm. children of the apocalypse and leaders, you know, mm-hmm. they're both, they're both lead. They have a lot of things in common and they don't like that about each other. You know? right. <laughs> Just right like now. real parents. <laughs> like, oh, that's such a good point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm struck by thinking about how season four will open and she will be following him. Mm-hmm. Not because anybody asked her to. Mm-hmm. And then he'll be like, why, you know, why are you here? And she'll be like, so that you don't walk alone. Which is uh, literally what she's done his entire life. He just yeah. didn't know it. Right, yeah. right. She's always walking with him. Right. And right now she's doing it, you know, like a bratty teenager. She does not want to be doing this. She's pestering him. <laughs> but, right. But both seasons are going to, I think that's like what the second episode mm-hmm. of season four. So both seasons are sort of opening with these walks, mm-hmm. mother and son. Right. Never knowing what they are to one another. Right. What's interesting though is it. like right now she's more like a bratty little sister. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, right? Right. Until um, you go back. And mom said like, you gotta come home. Like, <laughs> right. right. I mean, there's kind of a you know that I read too much into everything but when Cole says something tells me you're the one I should keep an eye on I was like, was that a hint to us that right. we should have been, right? Oh, right? In the oh. episode named Mother that we should have been keeping point. an eye on her? Absolutely. I, you know well, it is. I will say this, like, this to me was the central mystery that was the most satisfying and surprising conclusion. Like, I didn't... Who's Cole's mother? I yeah. agree. I, I am, I, I really didn't know. I really Especially didn't with the blatant and right. totally sensical misdirect. Right. Everything that, about it made completely. sense that it would, like, he would be mm-hmm. from Olivia's line. Like, that yeah. still made perfect sense. But this was just, like, such a better payoff. 
It was, yeah, this is one of my favorite, yeah, my favorite payoffs to a central mystery in a series. Because I can't think of, besides, like, who is the witness, which Mm -hmm. I, I also liked. But this, to me, was the, like, the thing that unlocked, I mean, that's why, you know, a little. The tears. <laughs> right. It unlocked the tears. I mean, it gave you the familial connection because it, it didn't, it doesn't just give you Hannah. It gives you Jones. Mm-hmm. It gives you, you know, lullaby. It gives you, and it gives you, Aetha, it gives you this whole line of people. Right. Um, so when you were watching Aethan tell his great grandmother. Oh my God. I loved that. I loved that so much when it comes to save the one save the one yeah that's why that's the other reason by the way just to go back that i think i am that she stopped the that 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 the epilogue is real is that that's clearly ethan being like come on do a little do my dad a solid here (laughs) right yeah anyway (laughs) right um the moment that I thought was interesting, I mean, point out, she's always calling him James. Mm-hmm. When she, you know, this, ha- it's not to say that, like, growing up in the apocalypse isn't hard. But this, <laughs> but in the <laughs> scheme of things, right? right? Hannah is, we are now watching almost all of our characters now that Cole, right? So many of our characters who have gone through trauma, mm-hmm. loss, and she says, you're not willing to make the hard choices. Mm. And in this kind of flip yeah. way that could only be said by someone in that way who hasn't actually had to do that for themselves. Right. So when he turns and says, you have no idea the choices that I've had to make. Mm. I just was struck by this. He's talking about how he had to, he believes, mm-hmm. erase not only his like, happy life with Cassie, mm-hmm. But his, his unborn child. child. Yeah. Right. And he's saying that to the mother that someday is going to have to give him up. Yeah. Um, you and- shut your piehole. Oh <laughs> I mean, they're Stop like this. It right now. Yeah. Right? They're this mother and son. You know, and even yeah. though he he will only get Ethan back for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he'll see him once as a boy. He'll have only a few moments with him and then with he'll die. Boy, right? And so they are both oh. these parents. Oh, right. They can't, they'll never really, I mean, they'll have that one moment at the end of one minute more, but mm-hmm. nobody, they know, they will have known what it is to have been in each other's shoes in a way that very other few people could know. Very other few parent-child duos will know. It's kind of interesting that the people who super want their kids in this mm-hmm. story don't get to keep them, and the shitty, mm-hmm. shitty, shitty parents do. Like Deacon and Jennifer's parents. Yeah, oh, or yeah. Olivia and Emma. The ones who want them oh, have right. to give them up, and the ones who'd rather give them up, like, ruin them. It's true. But it's also because the ones that, you know, that those are the ones, the parents that have to give them up are the ones that have this uh, this higher purpose. Yeah. And right. also, their best they jobs. Yeah. Part. <laughs> they got jobs. <laughs> they got to save the world, man. <laughs> All right. The fight on the bridge. Mm. Um... They both have a point, right? Mm, they do. They both have, a, I think, a legitimate point, right? Yep. The the light is flashing. They know where Titan is right now. Cole has a point. If you leave, we have been looking for this place for months. If we leave, we have no idea we'll be able to find it again. Right. Hannah, on the other hand, also has a point. Mm-hmm. Mr. You never have a plan. What happened the last time? <laughs> now there's two of us. What happened the last time when four of us tried to go in Titan? Mm-hmm. Like, nothing went well. So I think they both have a point. And she's been. Yeah. Right. 
She knows firsthand, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She doesn't remember, but her we remember watching her get her throat cut. Yes. So, oh yeah. That's right. Um, what I think is hilarious is watching this scene, I feel like it plays out, and I'm looking at Barry because she has been here for these moments, mm-hmm. when I'm trying to extract mm-hmm. my son from the park. Yeah. <laughs> and it says right. things like, I'm not asking. Right, I'm telling. Time to go home. <laughs> You'll do as I right. say. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever called him a little shit. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no, not. I mean, I've definitely said it to mine under my breath. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But it, like, now that you know that they're mother and son, it is funny. Yeah. You know, before it was kind of like this scrappy fight where I was like, Cole, you're going to get your ass kicked. Right. Just watch her. We saw the BSG. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then we finally get to see, I think there's like only maybe five times Cole sincerely Mm -hmm. smiles in this entire series. (laughs) And one of them is Is when he's gotten the better of his mom because he stuck her in the arm. Right. Um, The best part is, that like I like that they have that um, kind of juxtaposition because she totally won. Yes. Yep. But they yeah, they were like fighting with different goals in mind, and so mm-hmm. he's the one that came out victorious in the yep. end. Yep. <laughs> Say hi to your mother for me. Oh, I love her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so great. It's like the two Jones matriarchs yeah. tried to step in his way, and the little shut still gets away with it. That's true. <laughs> it's so I yeah. It's really, I mean, it's funny looking, this is one of those episodes that really pays off in a rewatch in a way that some of them do and some of them are just like, it's fun to rewatch, but this one has so many breadcrumbs and that fight at the bridge is a huge one. It's like a big bread roll. Yeah. Dinner roll. (laughs) It's like, can you imagine like how long... How anyone behind the scenes who knew mm-hmm. and and right, Aaron Stanford didn't know. Wasn't he suggesting it was should be? He was like, maybe there should be a love triangle with yes. Anna. And they were like, and that's when they up. had to tell him, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, be sure. careful how you act in these scenes. Put it away. <laughs> this is right. Your mommy. I mean, <laughs> Hannah's very pretty. She's very badass oh in that, right? Like, yeah. so yeah. But everybody yeah. has the best like long beachy waves in the show. <laughs> she really does. I'm also weirdly into that weird eye makeup. Right? Yeah. I, I like I like to think of it as like a tribute to Jennifer and like the mm-hmm. charcoal. Yeah. But Jennifer also makes fun of it. She's yeah. like, you're a ridiculous eyeshadow. Like, I you can, love it. Yeah. It's I great. love it. You have to, like, if you're going to have warrior goddesses in the post-apocalypse, like, post-apocalypse, yeah. they need some sort of badass They makeup. need Urban Decay. Let's do it. <laughs> Come and sponsor us, Urban Decay. <laughs> Twelve monkeys line. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Cole leaves his mother on the bridge mm-hmm. to race toward Cassie, who is pregnant with. Oh. Wait, with Hannah's grandson. <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> just to reorient ourselves. Yeah, go ahead. All do right. your thing again. <laughs> it's usually no. <laughs> this time. It's her grandson. <laughs> I mean, we're like spending all this time with Hannah, and it's her grandson that's born at the end of this episode. It's fucking crazy. It is fucking crazy. You forget, right? Like yeah. you stop, and you're and you're like, no, it all like you have to stop and be like, it all connects. It's like this whole episode is about this family line Four from Jones the grandmother, right? Yep. All right. This is really satisfying, by the way, for someone that is like really into like 
the Plantagenets and the Wars of the Roses. Like, I have to say that this, like, as a person that's really into, like, incestuous bloodlines and whatever, like, (laughs) this is another, like, just minor thing that I also love about the series. So you would have liked to have seen that love triangle. (laughs) I would have been like, seems right to me. (laughs) You know? I mean, it's hard to say, right? Like, if you're trying to describe the show, it's a show that actually is really about family, family. But that's a spoiler. Right. You- that's why you have to say found family, because they found out they yes. were family. <laughs> yes. Found family, and people think you mean, like, the t- Team Splinter, which yes. you do, and yeah. it's awesome. It feels like, like Scoobies. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I want to go to Titan, because Titan is awesome and unbelievably creative mm-hmm. and stylish and amazing. It mm-hmm. also is a, as a woman watching Hellful. this episode, a hellscape. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking Tell me your feelings about Titan. It is so claustrophobic in a way that um again i like it's hard not to think about another sort of misogynist fantasy of hammett's tale but this one is much more lush you know like the table and the grit i mean there is and you know the imagery is it feels more misogynist because of the lushness of the setting and it's also the first time like We've seen Cassie in the situation. I mean, like, Cassie is a scientist. Like, when we first meet her, she's, like, giving a talk. She's, like, got the CDC. She's, in a, she's like, white coat Cassie. Mm-hmm. And this is really hard to see her in that outfit. Yeah. She's that- been totally stripped of her identity. Entirely. And right. anything outside of what's mm-hmm. growing inside her. Like, that's it. Yeah. And so that first image when we mm-hmm. see her. Right. Um, if I can bring my religion I was mm-hmm. raised with... I was raised Catholic, it looks like a Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got a veil, Mm -hmm. you've got just the way she's styled. I mean, I don't know if there was any like overt religious, Mm -hmm. right? But but the way that is the image of a mother and she is the mother of a religious figure that they think is going to bring about, right, salvation. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing that struck me with it, um, by it. But the second On this last rewatch, it cuts away to commercial. Mm -hmm. And then she's sitting at this table. Mm. And the table is late. Like, right? It's like fruit. I I mean, we've talked before. Like, I have so many questions about where they source their food. And, Mm -hmm. like, it looks delicious. (laughs) There's, like, kebabs and couscous, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, like, I've never, like... I don't know if I want to have kebabs and couscous after watching Magdalena like force feed it to her again yeah, again. But you have this image where she is in this chair. The chair looks like something from like the 1500s. Mm-hmm. And you have It's very this, medieval. All of it. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. And you have this cutout window with the light pouring through. Also looks very... Um, like the whole thing looks like a Botticelli, yes. like right, and she has this expression of resignation, right? And I, I you know what, I will post some of these sure. on our Twitter account. I just looked up a couple Botticelli Virgin Marys. A lot of times, the Virgin Mary is wearing a red dress. Mm-hmm. She's got the same blonde waves, the same like expression of total like okay. detachment. Yeah, right, like. And a lot of like, times... I hope someone else breastfeeds us then. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. That's the, 
which I really relate to. Right. I'm sorry, B. We're going to get a lot of – this is – this is uh, we got five kids between us. And this yeah. is the birth episode. You're going to get a lot of, like, some real mom talk on this yeah. one. Someone but, text me when you're done. <laughs> so you – but, I mean, you I'll, – I'll post this spot at Shelly, but there's one in particular where yeah. it's a lush table and mm-hmm. you've got the red vines behind her, right? So – all of this, who knows if any of this was intentional, but she looks like a miserable Renaissance painting yeah. of the mother of the savior. Mm-hmm. And she's in the middle of this cult. Yep. That's a really good image. Um, but why is her baby so big? <laughs> I feel like the babies are never to scale in these Renaissance paintings. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I get that the Renaissance is a huge step forward, but like, seriously, babies aren't that big. No. Um, <laughs> all right. We talked about how this is Cassie. This is the Cassie we met in the mm-hmm. white coat. Mm-hmm. You're watching as a woman. I feel like the walls mm-hmm. closing and around me. Mm-hmm. But she's also a character that more than anything else is about agency. Yeah. And so seeing her. I want to make my choices. Yeah. Right? Like mm-hmm. who I am or is because of me. Mm-hmm. Right? And she is in a gilded prison, mm-hmm. reduced to her only value is that she's pregnant with she's this child. Just the skin around this child. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what's know, really actually, I mean, that's why it's so, you need Jennifer so much because it's so, the rest of it is so horrendous. Right. It is. It's like I really wanted her to start singing in the middle of Titan. Like that's where we <laughs> needed it. Yeah. Like, the Nazis seem kind of bad, but this Titan shit, you know what I mean? It's like next yeah. level. Yeah. Right. And and so there's part of Titan that reminds me of we've talked in the past about how the pallid man is mm-hmm. this very particular there's something particularly scary about something that seems genteel on the so surface and turns lethal on a dime. Yeah. And so Titan is I mean, he's in charge. Mm-hmm. So there's classical music playing mm-hmm. and there's this beautiful banquet and people are using, mm-hmm. uh, they and kind of did, like, right. They did, they, kind, <laughs> they did the same thing um, in project spearhead where they, they, it's in the middle of the apocalypse and people are dining on white tablecloths. Right. right. But really he's uh, kind of um, uh, Colonel Foster is like, right, right. He's kind of leading his own cult. Right. So it's like this veneer of civility, but they're holding her right captive and are going to force her to like, first of all, force her to give birth mm-hmm. because they allude to the fact that she has had doubts, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's generalized, mm-hmm. but if you were Cassie and you found out your kid was the witness, I'm sure mm-hmm. you would be thinking through, you know, it all, there's like crystal goblets and it all is beautiful to look at mm-hmm. and it is horrific. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to force her to have this child mm-hmm. and then take this child away from her. And in walks Magdalena. Mm. Oh, she's so good. <laughs> I know. <It's> terrifying. <laughs> she's yeah. so good. So, so Hannah Waddingham. Um, I wanted to take a minute because Barry also often t- talked on NPR about Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. She is Magdalena here. She has. So I want I think someone should write a piece. And how Hannah Waddingham has played these two symbols, whether it's the High Sparrow's mm-hmm. nun, and I'm forgetting her name on Game of Thrones. I can't remember that she had a name. Everyone just calls she, her shame. She, <laughs> right. She's right. So for those of you, mm-hmm. like her, so she was, it's the same actress who was on Game of Thrones, who is in charge of Cersei when she is 
captured under the high sparrow and has and, to do the walk of shame and has to do the walk of shame right and she's ringing the bell shame right and here magdalena with her mind yourself which whether it's uh, mind yourself like as a woman when somebody says yeah. mind yourself tell me what that makes you feel so like so much like i want to take my bra off <laughs> <laughs> And I like my bra. It makes me feel but, really slappy. Yes. <laughs> yep. Right? It makes you angry. Mm-hmm. Right? There's so much behind that. Yeah. Don't speak up. Mm-hmm. Don't step out of line. Mm-hmm. Meet. Right? There's so much. I feel like, like I need to strangle you with all my girdles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so whether it's mind yourself or shame, I feel like there's a think piece about how Hannah Wadding has played these female figures of... She is the female enforcer mm-hmm. for these systems of patriarchy. You you might have to cut this because I don't know if, but do you, because I know you're a Leftovers fan. She and Anne Dowd, like those two actresses are like, like that's what they're making their bread and butter out of. Right. And it's so fascinating. Yeah. Because what they're doing is giving this, like this life to what normally we see as, Like, enforcers are this other... But there's a real life behind the eyes of these women. Mm -hmm. And it is a thing that makes a... Anyone who has been a victim of internalized misogyny, which is anyone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is all of us. Yeah. You know, you really, really see that. Like, I gotta... I gotta play this role. And it's... And there's shades of gray to it. She's not... She's not a carbon cutout. She's she's decided to throw her lot in with this ideology. Yeah. And, and I think that, yeah, she and Anne Dowd, man, I just, don't you want to see them do whatever happened to baby Jane? <laughs> right? Because Anne Dowd, in your referring, in case people haven't watched, she plays mm-hmm. a kind of similar role on the mm-hmm. handmaid, on Handmaid's Tale. And also in The Leftovers. In the, yeah, she? yeah, because she is, right, she's the cult. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the point is, is that if you like are like, I'm joining a cult and you open the door and end out is there, you just like should rethink your shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> if Hannah Waddingham or Ann yeah. are on the other side of that door, just right. fucking run. It's like just find a different cult. Like there's a nice Jim Jones <laughs> in the corner. Like go find someone with some good cool. And they're such wonderful actresses. Yes. There was a video on Twitter of James Callis and Hannah Waddingham mm. at a party mm-hmm. where she said mind yourself for fun but they're in the middle of a cocktail party and you're like oh my god i want to go grab a drink with those two people they seem fun and then like on a dime she said mind yourself and it like (laughs) i had like a shudder down my spine right there's but there's something that feels as a woman watching it Mm -hmm. particularly insidious Mm -hmm. where that is being enforced by another woman right well it's the special hell that and you know that malin albright has you know for women that don't help other women and but I also, I mean, I, you know, you understand this, like she has decided to build up this. And since we're going to, since Olivia is going to become Olivia, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there, there's definitely a, an interrogation of female power and, and how it is used in this season, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, it was, by the way, I have to say, it was also kind of awesome to see Hanning, Hannah Waddingham just looking amazing because she was so, like, nunned up in, <laughs> in the, as the Shane character. Oh, yeah. It was just like, you know, I'd also kind of watch you as, like, 
like the, the like Julius Caesar, I'd watch you as like you know. I mean, I want to just see her do some like Shakespeare, you know, just like did straight you, up. Did you Winter's Tale? Did you freak out when she popped up in Sex Education? Oh yeah, like get your swim practice. And I was like, you get your fucking swim practice. <laughs> Move it. Gosh. God, I love these. I love these characters. She's so such I a wonderful actress. Actor so yeah, and she just makes she she is fills me with terror. Mm-hmm. And it's in one scene, and and it starts out with this. By the end of this episode, you are like, this is a formidable mm-hmm. enemy. Is it? Isn't it though? Interesting. I mean, this is how I kind of feel about Olivia too. Where you know, obviously, you know, my. You know, I'm a feminist. My allegiance is to a world in which women are free and maybe subjugating all the men. That would be fine, too. (laughs) So, but that said, there's something kind of fucking awesome to see. I love these women villains. Mm -hmm. I love how much they lean into it. And I love to see... I I actually... it's, It's... I have, like, a weird allegiance to the to this character Mm -hmm. i don't know what that makes me i mean i there's an equality all around there's women heroes there's women villains it's i mean yeah i mean but anybody can be anybody i fist pumped at the end of this season when olivia is like what's her line like she is she yes yes right yes yeah and i'm fist pumping it and i'm like You just stabbed Jones, but right. are you about right? right? And you're like, you're yeah. the enemy of this entire show, and I am so freaking excited as a woman. You. I know. I was on a train, and I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, no big deal. It just turns out that the leader of the apocalypse is a woman, and that's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> she broke the glass right. ceiling of villains. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> lot of really interesting word choice right mm-hmm. you're um i think it's fascinating they say cassie's incapable of change mm. she's the character has changed so much right, right? but like the whole when they use the word domesticated mm-hmm. there's so many mm. words in this conversation domesticated vessel that as a woman i feel myself like curling up into the fetal position mm-hmm. they're like these words that basically just like right oh right it's domesticated like, is like dogs mm-hmm. right animals. I mean, it's like yeah. literally less than human mm-hmm. right um all right here's the piece there's a lot of stuff to unpack in this conversation with her um all of it happening under the most civilized of circumstances, sitting at a table. Mm-hmm. There would literally be better if she was chained up. Uh, yeah, it's something so insane, right? Because you're trying. She's trying to disarm her. Yeah, right. Because at least and you know who's good and bad. Like they're trying to pull off some sort of like Stockholm syndrome thing with like, look at what we're providing you. We're doing everything for you. This is better than you've ever had it. It's certainly better than you had it with you know. Team Splinter. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, how do you keep fighting against that? You know? It's such a good point because she's coming in praising her. Mm -hmm. Right? You've come so far. Mm -hmm. Right? I I didn't think that you were capable of change. So here's the part that I think is interesting because obviously Magdalena means it one way, but I think it is previewing Cassie's arc. The love for the child is incidental. The love you must show is for the man he becomes. Mm -hmm. And... And that's true. That's Cassie's journey. Yeah, that's it. And that's what changes everything. Ethan's life and saves their lives, right? I mean, she's the one that is, Cole eventually comes around, but she is the one that is 
adamant that he can be saved. Mm-hmm. And she goes and seeks out her mother, right? And she's the one that brings Cole's ar- Cole around. And she never truly, like, she lets Cole go do what he's going to do, but then she, like, goes, right? I mean, that's her whole journey, and that's what ends up turning the tide, is loving the man. Like, yeah. and that love that she shows him when they won't give him up, when they're in that house mm-hmm. that his grandmother and great grandmother are standing <laughs> outside, right? Just to add that, but but that's but that's the moment, right? Yeah. That changes the course of Ethan's life. It changes the course of every. It saves mm-hmm. all of them. So yeah. it's just one of those lines that sticks out, and you're like, she's talking about it. Doesn't matter if you love this baby, you need to love who he's going to become, meaning the witness. And it's her love that changes the entire course of his life. Which, by the way, is low key what I tell every new mom. Like, it's okay if this baby is annoying. <laughs> Someday he will become a five-year-old and an eight-year-old and maybe the witness. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it is a... It is, that it's is such a limited the, reference in your friend group, I feel like. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll love him even if he's the witness, all right? <laughs> but it is the thing of, like, the... And this is not to say that those early things are not important, but other things are coming. Like, and they're really important. Not, like, Mm -hmm. maybe not timeline saving the world important, but they're really important and they're maybe more important than whether or not you fed him formula or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Says a woman who fed them a lot of formula. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, uh, there's a line at the end of this season where she says, I saw you as that Mm -hmm. infant. And I realized, you know, and he's kind Mm -hmm. of being right. Like, oh, and you realize I was good. She's like, no, I realized you were nothing. Yes. You're like this. You were a You were the vessel. Yeah. yeah. You were this blank slate. Yes. Um, And it is, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it is this kind of, uh, which... It must, it's, it, you know, we watch Cassie in that moment mm-hmm. in the next episode. We're not going to know real, like mm-hmm. that piece of what was going on in her head until the end. But it is kind of this, like, you were just this small thing and I have no, how could anybody know what you would turn out to be? Nope. Right? The one piece that I think is interesting from Magdalena's perspective mm-hmm. is less, like, just to remind ourselves, season four, Olivia, the witness, knows that all of this is bullshit. <laughs> All of these people, from Ariana to Magdalena yep. to Sebastian, are all okay. giving their lives to this idea of this wit- of the witness who's being born of the mother, right? We see the pallid man proselytizing, yes. right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the father tried to undo him, but he, mm-hmm. right? It's like this whole, like, yeah. uh, like, like litany um, and she's like, no. And it's all bullshit. And she's, right? And she's just letting this entire, like, complex and people being stolen from all of these, right? Like, Ariana being plucked from her family. All these people being raised in this cult to believe in this baby, Ethan, being born of two travelers. And it's all bullshit. Right. Can you and imagine so, her just sitting there with popcorn being like, keep on, fuckers, whatever. Yeah. I mean, she pops in at the end of this yeah. episode. She must be laughing her ass off at the pallid man's, like, deeply uncomfortable. Like, he mm-hmm. looks like he's, like, it's, it's like, um, a rapture, yes. right? Like, at the end of this, yeah. right? And she's just sitting there, right? Olivia's just popping popcorn be like, nope, it's me. Still me. <laughs> Still me. Still me. Um, but the piece that I thought was interesting from Magdalena's perspective, because she's not a cookie cutter, right? Mm. She's not no. a cardboard no, villain. No, 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 no. She is 
I feel like it almost like she is someone she says she has been raised from a child Mm -hmm. with this purpose to raise the witness. Yeah. And she may be putting down sort of Cassie's importance with the vessel, but I think part of that is coming from a my role is important to kind of place. Yeah. Um, And I think it's really their whole conversation. Like it's not the belly that bears the child. It's the hands that shape her, the hands that soothe the baby. Well, we have to believe that right in some ways, because we also know there's this other motherhood story going on with Cole and Hannah and all that, that the hands that are shaping Cole are not Hannah, right? Mm -hmm. They're all of these other people. So to a certain extent, she's right. Right. You know, that's yeah. the that's the beauty of family and, of you know, child rearing is that everybody's doing it, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, the conversation later with Ariana answers this debate mm-hmm. in a way. Like, yeah. all mothers are important. All of them. They're I, all different I feel like, forms. though, one of the things, like, the jab that she's taking so hard at Cassie is, like, and you don't get to be this person. Because it's right. not like Cassie didn't want to. You know, it's right. not like she was like, no, oh, I'm just going to give him up for adoption. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. she... She wanted to be the one to shape him. And that that's like the terrifying aspect of like what they're forcing her into. They're just utilizing her for a time, you know, yeah. and then what? Like they don't care about her. Right. And there's this very like possessive Cassie. He's it's he's mine, you know, um, that's a very primal. Right. Like, yeah, which certainly is real right right Mm -hmm. she's that feels that i mean she's far enough along she's feeling that baby kicking right like Mm -hmm. i mean the idea that this baby is going to be taken away from her i mean if if you're you if you're cassie you just remembered (laughs) right like in the season two finale she's like oh yeah right we were in this house and i was pregnant but oh you undid it but oh god the pallid man is the one that tells me that i'm still pregnant and now he's the witness and she's alone right so it's like the worst OB appointment ever. <laughs> <laughs> She's like yelling, "This is my dead end!" <laughs> Don't take it. I cringe every time I see that clip and I see the pallid man putting his hand on her belly. It makes me yeah. physically like I find it like oh, it's I know it's funny. I know we already did the what are your favorite characters, but I have to say, pallid man is he's not a favorite, but he's so. He's so good. Incredible. He's so incredible that if he like came to my house and was like, I'm selling something, I'd be like, I know you're evil, but what's in your bag? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would just be like, yeah, I'll read your literature. <laughs> just, just come in the foyer. <laughs> I have Maybe. cigarettes out back in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Legit. Um, there's one sort of big picture thing. Mm-hmm. If you ended season two... Cole getting in the chair, you're like, he's going to save Cassie. Mm. This whole episode sets you up to think he's going to save the woman he loves. And they, it's not that he doesn't try, Mm -hmm. right? But they blow that up. Mm -hmm. I mean, this whole episode, they're playing with that expectation, the way they edit it, and you think he's going to make it in time. But what they actually spend this first couple episodes of the season is focusing on the friendships. Yeah. Right? It's like right. Cole and Jennifer and Deacon and Cassie mm-hmm. and Cole and Ramsey, even though mm-hmm. that is tragic. Mm-hmm. And I think it it's why you feel so much for that, all of the relationships, yeah. all the kinds of love. Because even though they're going full-blown, 
lovers torn apart by time and all of this, they're not forgetting all of the other character relationships. Right. Um, Talk about your timing being off. Woo. (laughs) (laughs) So we have this scene with Ariana and Cassie, Mm. who we now, if you watch Winona Earp, is now, she's Waverly. She's like one of the main cast members now that jumps out at me. But um, I think Ariana, in a way, sort of foreshadows Sebastian. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is so into this cult. Are you going that that because oh, it's Rupert? So <laughs> like, oh, that really brought together so many things I love. Yeah. Like Room of the View. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Foresight Saga, oh, Room of the God. View. Totally. I know. Anyway. I know. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, butterfly pen, I mean, mm. that's obviously the symbol for Cassie, but I as soon as it was on the table, it had a sharp pointy end. I'm like, that's Chekhov's hairpin. That yeah. is going in a body. <laughs> yeah. Cassie's gonna be There's sad. So, and also <laughs> just hairpin. You know what I mean? Like, what's a hairpin for if it's not gonna kill someone eventually? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, okay. it's Fair so... Point. Why do you even take the time to bring it up? Yeah. It's, no. also, it's so sad, though, because one episode ago... She got a butterfly pin for her hair for Christmas from the man she loves, and now she is. And now it's a murder weapon. And now it's a murder weapon. (laughs) It does make you think, like, what am I going to do with that, like, wine opener? (laughs) (laughs) Just leverage the objects you have. Hold on to the rabbit. Use it on him. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, you know, obviously, this is. Ariana is going to help her and she's sort of like the tragic footnote to this, but it does make me stop it. Like all of these people that we see in Titan all have this story of being snatched. Are motherless. Yeah. yeah. They're snatched from another time and mm-hmm. somebody like her, she never knew anything else. Right. Yeah. Um, but she knew the, enough to say, I want, here's this thing that's important to me. That is my mother. Yeah. Yeah. So you brought that up. Um, the handkerchief moment, there's a lot of, um, you know, as much as this episode is an exploration of people kind of at rock bottom, mm-hmm. Cassie choosing to end her life, um, Cole, you know, in the state that he's in, that moment where our, it's like human beings using these pieces of that represent people they love. And at the end, it's going to be about the watch. Right. But right now, I mean, she has been carrying this cloth. And it's actually really moving that she yes. gives it to Cassie. I, I honestly, my reaction to that was like, don't give that away. Aww. I mean, I really, it was sort of, yeah, that she thought, oh, this is the person that I can let it go to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, there's a lot of like physical symbols of things we hold on to. And mm-hmm. we do, right? Mm-hmm. Like in oh, real yeah. life. Yeah, mm-hmm. that are like represent the people we love that we hold on to. Yeah, that give us hope, even though it's just a thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so we think they suck us in. We think Cassie is going to her unveiling, and Cole is charging towards it, and we think we're gonna get the like big rescue, and instead we get future asshole and Cole <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> Tell me what you guys first thought and Barry you should go first because you actually are the next closest to, to this you were standing next to me that's right you were right. next to me I was me. watching it with you I was like this is I was so freaked out by it I was like I don't believe this is a like I did I I was skeptical of future asshole I was like that real so this is like in the woods before mm-hmm. it's unmasked right oh right, right with right. the lights what the hell is that? yeah no I don't I mean 
I, it's funny, it's hard to go back to that time, because I was so, God, this is the thing about this series, if you know how it ends, it's really hard to remember mm-hmm. when you haven't put that puzzle, but really, it is, these are the future, wait, now my brain is broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. But yeah, it's funny, because the, the rewatch on that is now the only thing I can think of. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's so sad. It's, yeah, it is really. But, like, at first, we haven't seen anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, its face is covered, right? It looks yeah, like something out like, of. It's like holy mythology, Batman. Like, we didn't mm-hmm. know. Like, what is that, yeah. right? Yeah. Cole, when Cole is like, what the hell are you? Right. What the hell was that? It's like, for the audience, too, right. we're like, right. what is that? Like, your face is covered, there's lights coming out of your chest, and you yeah. can move and jump around and disappear. Right. What the hell is that? Yeah, because even if Jones had, like, sent somebody to, to him, you know, to splinter into Titan, we don't know mm-hmm. of anybody that could, like, grab onto him and then just, like, poof, what the heck? Like, where did you come from? And where are you going? And why and how? And who are you? And yeah. also, it does get into that thing that you were just saying, which is, like, suddenly we're in science fiction. Like, we're in the real fiction part of the science. It is crazy science mm-hmm. fiction. I mean, yeah. it is both leaves you, like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. But I remember being like, oh, my God, it's just getting weirder. And that's right. awesome. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, people, I, I mean, if you're in it for a science fiction mm-hmm. show, then this is when they're like, yeah. people are disappearing and reappearing. What the hell is going on? This mm-hmm. looks like a superhero. Like, what is right. this thing? Right. Um. All right. Obviously, we've got the whole, like, Cole gets, you've got the, like, tragic, like, right? The lovers are almost there, and you yell, Cassie and Cole, and then he's taken away. We're at the Emerson Hotel. Did you rewatch this scene today? I did. Okay. Beep and Barry, tell me your feelings rewatching Future Asshole talking to Cole. It's, it's so, it's so painful. Because it. He thought it was funny. Yeah. But it's not funny. Yeah. And you see him, you know, like, attempting to give him this hope, but you understand, like, the place that future asshole's really coming from, and you're like, oh, honey, there is none. Yeah. Like, you just want to scoop up, like, you know, current Cole and just, like, swaddle him and <laughs> rub right. his head or something. Like, you poor thing. Like, you don't even know. Like, all of this is going to go to the point where you just... Like, what has it all been for? And, you know, for him, knowing that he's going to have to erase himself and knowing that whatever. And this is one of those things I kind of feel like, does this conversation happen because he just remembered what he heard type thing? Because, I mean, he is lying through his teeth. Yeah. In a well, yeah, I mean, way. he remembers the jokes, right? He yeah. has to tell the jokes he remembered, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's such a... For either of them, it's a mind fuck. Yeah. Well, because right. he even makes the point, like, about, you know, getting kicked in the nuts. And he's like, you think I would have remembered that part. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so, I, I, one thing I know to, I mean, the first thing that is, uh, I think, sets you back a little bit watching is this is the Emer- this is the lobby of the Emerson Hotel. Oh, yeah. I know. This is you home. Know? This is not a place of destruction mm-hmm. and, and it decay. Is- yeah, and it is overrun with vegetation, and it's in ruins and falling apart. Right, it's so that's gorgeous, though. It's mm-hmm. it is beautiful. Like, side note: It's gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's beautiful, but it, but it is it's a ruin, right? 
Um, and in the way that, like, you can go to ruins now of mm-hmm. civilization gone by and it's beautiful, right. but, but it is a little bit startling when mm-hmm. it's a place where we are used to watching as home all right. through season two, right? right? It's a familiar place. We've now seen it a familiar place. We've now seen it actually through a bunch of different decades. Mm-hmm. So now there's a new composer that took over in this season. The music. Yeah, Stephen really Barton. I thought the music is incredible. Like, actually, the last two seasons, the music is incredible. Yeah. Cause, and it's really, like, it, it, that is one of the things that I... It's like, And I, it's funny, because I, I noticed that it was different, but I didn't notice it so much to, like, go and look it up, which is actually good, mm-hmm. because I didn't feel it was manipulative. It right. was just there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it gives you the sense that there's something going on mm-hmm. here, right? And so mm-hmm. this is the second time in the series we've had an older version... Mm-hmm have to talk to the younger version of yourself. Um, and all of the sort of real world uh, with old Jennifer and young Jennifer, it was talking about believing in yourself right. and being brave. Right. This conversation is about coping with loss. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to watch now when you know what I mean, I think initially, like, like the chicken and egg conversation season two, this is a hard scene to pull off. Mm-hmm. No, I think the acting is excellent. So you you need good writing. Uh-huh. You need an actor. Like, you got to balance it. Like, uh-huh. like that old Jennifer scene in last season, you need to balance it with humor. Right? Right. So to take this crazy, like, the, the scar- Hannah scarf comes off uh-huh. and... It's greetings, asshole. I'm future asshole. asshole. Right. It's just like a, a level of humor because mm-hmm. you have to, right? Like, and you need it. Yeah, you need it. Um, and there's just a lot of like making fun of himself. Maybe we should shave, right? So like, if you're, if you're season three, Cole, you are desperate. You've dealt with primaries, talking and riddles, right? And now your future self that could tell you everything is not like, yeah, fuck you. Just dude. fuck you. Give me the fucking right. answer. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's kind of douchey. Yes. Yeah, he's kind of like, no, right. it's mad, right? Like, you like, would be I'm not so sure mad. I want right. to become you. You kind of suck. Right? Tell, give me the fucking answer. I'm right. desperate, right? Mm-hmm. And he's even commenting, like, wow, you really are a mad dog. You'd be like, fuck you, future self. Yes. Right? Not, yeah. like, so, all right. So, this is the moment that if you are doing a rewatch and you go and watch the beginning of the series finale, mm-hmm. we know, we know if you're rewatching season three, where season three Cole is at future asshole just before this scene, he was in the situation room with Jennifer and Cassie and Jones where he realized he's the demon and that he needs to be erased from existence. Jones tells him, we need you to complete your cycle so that you end up here with the answer. Right. So this is, he is that emissary Mm -hmm. of team splinter. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, if you stop and think about, he knows he has to go back to stop himself from, he, I mean, he, most likely he would have died, right? right? That right, was right, a suicide right, right, mission. Right, right, right. But still, he knows he has to stop it from even, yeah. Right. Um, but he also knows, he remembers what he must have been feeling, mm-hmm. right? And that is, like, desperate, sad, like, I've got to save this, this babe, this... Yeah, right. Well, he doesn't and then he doesn't really have any hope to give him. No, he has to make it up. Um, so, and he also tells, I love there's two like little Easter eggs, not Easter eggs, but there's these two little moments that I love in this where one, he's like, 
you're at the halfway point. Because we're all at the halfway point. Yeah. Yeah, that's very meta. And I love that. And then I also love that there's an explanation of the... Because the whole time you're like, why is there no paradox? Right. And he's like, that's okay. I got this. It's the splinter suit. (laughs) Yeah. It's perfect schmeitz. I love it. It's like audience just chill. (laughs) I know it was like for me, I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. All right. All right. Fine. You told me the rules. You made up a new rule. Fine. Yeah. Stay consistent. It's all good. Exactly. Right. I mean, it's all, all the rules are made up to begin with. Right. So like when people are like about the splinter suits, I'm like, Mm. it's all made up. Right. (laughs) They just told us a new rule and it's fine. Right. Um, Yeah. Just stick with it. All good. mm -hmm. So right before the this scene, it was because we see both Cassie and Cole. Yeah. So the Cassie who's listening to this whole scene, which we don't really realize Mm -hmm. until we watch the series finale, is the one who was just looking in the mirror at that white streak in her hair because, and they just lost Deacon, and she's remembering all of her times with Cole and absorbing this shock that Cole not only is going to like be a bit erased, die all of it, but that she will never remember him. It's over. So that's, that's the Cassie who's listening. That is what Cole knows. Um, and Cole is going to, I mean, I love it because whether it's future asshole or season three Cole, they're both leaving the scene to go save Jennifer. Right. In different right, right. places, right? right? In different times. Right. right, so whether it's future assholes saving her on the train platform mm-hmm. in Prague or going to 1922 France. Which made it funny to me that he mentioned the subway. I was like, oh, that's where he's going. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, it was such a great line, right? Of like, if you take the same subway in the same, you take the subway in the same city, you're bound to meet up. And he's talking about like time travel, yeah. right? So that takes us to the line. Turns out the key to the universe is chock full of nuts. Um, if we can unpack all the ways that Jennifer is unbelievably important, mm-hmm. she's going to save Ethan, yep. who will save all everybody. Of them. Right. Everybody. Mm-hmm. She's going to. Figure out, climb the steps, ring the bell, which, Barry, just to break your brain, is something she actually said in season one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your face is so great. She did. <laughs> when she was brought into Monkey Mansion, she was yelling, climb the steps, ring the bell, when she was being brought up the oh steps. God, yep. So I know. Shit. She has I my know. favorite callback when she does the code of, give me oh. yellow, I can paint you the world. That She's was in that right. 102. 102. Oh, that's. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that. It was one of the very first things she says is like the second sentence. before. This is kind of fun. This is fun. We've never had anybody on who just finished it. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, I like didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't know any of this. I'm just like, I think, yeah, I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) Lord, we've just watched it a lot. Um, Okay, she's going to figure out the code. Right. What it means, right? Because mm-hmm. Jones is, she, first of all, they're going to lose the weapon. She's the one who's going to have the code in her head. She's going right. to draw it all out. Mm-hmm. Jones is going to misinterpret it. She's the one who's going to figure it out. Right. And she's going to save them all a Titan. So when he says the future is Jennifer, it, it, is. it means in every conceivable way, mm-hmm. right? And then there's kind of like the funny self-reflection can't you formulate a plan for once in your life? Yeah, right? Which I love. This is so funny. Like my husband and I use future asshole now as a term. Oh, that's cute. I like like when we don't do something, right? That like it's like future asshole is going to be really pissed that we didn't <laughs> <laughs> take care <laughs> of this thing, water? right? Like we left the laundry to tomorrow, and yes. future asshole is going to be pissed. So here's the things that like break my brain when it comes to the clues that they laid out in plain sight when. 
when Cole, our Cole in season three, uh-huh. is unbelievably pissed at his future self. And he's, and he's like, what do you mean, Jennifer? Da, da, da. And he's like, she's the answer, the answer to everything. And this is what future asshole lists. The plague, Titan, Ethan. Cole's like, He catches himself. Like, oh, he catches shit. himself. Cole's like, that. who's that? The djinn. And then he lists separately oh, right. the witness. Because it's hmm. not Ethan. Because it's not Ethan. Oh, wow. And he lists it all. It's all right there. Yeah. It's all right there and it's all laid out, but we couldn't possibly put it all together. But when you go back and rewatch it and you're like, future asshole is actually giving the audience as many clues as he is giving. Um, there's no way to have. Yeah. There's no way. Right. It's all there. There's no way you could have. Um, and then there's this, the, then the conversation starts to hurt. Um, because season three, Cole says, this is how it all started. You and I were supposed to be erased. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck! That future asshole just—that is not. Uh, it's That's, not what he means. Uh, but that must have fucking really hurt. Yes. That's, and so, oh, and so that's when he—he's like seeing how much his past self is it. Like, imagine seeing your old self in one of your lowest points. Right? Yeah. So what he tries to tell him is... Except for now you're even lower. <laughs> you're like, even lower. Exactly. Right. right? You're he, trying to lift up the guy who's doing better than you. <laughs> he's even lower, but I think in some ways future asshole also... He's resigned. He understands. He's like, resigned he's and he's embracing it, yeah, right? No, yeah, there's acceptance there. He's like, I can save... It's a what he originally set out to do, and now I mean that like I'm on mission now, right? Yeah. Right. No, I mean he's resigned to the fact that's the only choice, and he's mm-hmm. accepted that as his role. Mm-hmm. So he's seeing, mm-hmm. so he's seeing himself at his lowest onto his. But once we had that house mm-hmm. and Cassie, and he's telling it to his former self, who's at the lowest point, who just said to, he's like, that's the only thing we ever managed to erase, right? right? And he's trying to tell him, that's the only happiness that we will ever have. Yeah. Right? Like, he thinks he's finishing this mission, and then he thinks he's going back immediately to erase himself, and he doesn't know that there's the hiccup, that they don't have the capability to do it, right? right? Like, he thinks it's imminent. So... Then this is the part that, like, Barry, this is when I had to go get coffee and pretend that I wasn't starting to cry. <laughs> he says so thirsty. it. So thirsty. <laughs> so needed caffeine. When he says, you know, we're only, this is only the halfway point. It's going to hurt. Things inside of you are going to break. Things you didn't even know you had. Yeah. This is all, all of the things that future asshole knows that Cole is going to lose that he didn't know he had. A son. A mother. He's going to have to erase himself. He's going to lose Cassie forever and she's never going to remember him. He's going to have to kill his brother. They lost Deacon. No. He's the the one who dropped the virus. Yeah, that's... And his grandmother is dying. Those are all of the burdens Uh so that when he says there is a beginning and an end and all you and I are ever going to have is what's in between the layers. That's so that. ominous. Why did we not pick up on the fact that that is like, well, so there's two layers to it. So let's unpack that. Like the first layer, because I feel like half of this conversation is to the audience and half of it is to core, yeah. right? Because as the audience, there's going to be things that break inside of us too, watching yeah. this story. Right? right. But when he says for Cole, this is it. 
like his entire life is this loop. And then when it's... It's over. It's over. Yeah. Um, And so he's telling... Like, he can go back and look at that. He sees himself at his lowest point. He will have some time with Cassie back, Mm -hmm. right? They will dance again. Yeah. And masks. Yes. Right? He will have these moments with Jennifer, with Jones, with Deacon. Uh, uh, Like, there is some measure of happiness left. And he's telling himself Mm -hmm. kind of what he tells the audience at the end. There will be high points. And all we have is now. Mm -hmm. This is all we have. Yeah. Happily ever now. Uh, Right. But it... That statement mm-hmm. is true for... It's the mission statement. It's, it's true for all of us. Yeah. And it is the mission mm-hmm. statement of this series, which I really respect, actually. It's a serious question. Would you yeah. watch a... Would you watch a series that was just Cassie and Cole in the house during those months together? Um, <laughs> yeah. Cece would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you asking, right. like, if I would watch, like, the miniseries of The House in Cedar and like, Pine? Like, what is that like in there? Like, sometimes I do think of, what was it like in there? Do you know there's a deleted scene? Oh, no. Where it's Christmas dinner. Is it sexy? No. <laughs> I know. It's about turkey, right. burnt turkey. She oh, burns okay. the turkey, but he knew that she was going to burn it, and he already oh. had ordered the turkey ahead of time. He was oh, like, that is my man. The only yes. way that could have been better is if you had gotten it pre-cooked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But I it's know. True. The whole thing is just this is it. You gotta like when it's good, it's good. Like it's one minute more where the three of us are sitting in front of the fire. Whatever the yeah. No, I know. I love it. Yeah. Like, uh, and then it goes to the watch, and oh, he right. tells himself the lie. Um, in some ways, it's a lie, and in some ways, it's, it's true, and he right. doesn't know it. Right. He right? thinks it's a lie. He thinks it's a lie, um, and he's like, whatever you do, you're going to find your way back to her. And he's repeating the words that she told him mm-hmm. once they find each other again in season three, and they spray paint right. that butterfly, mm-hmm. and she gives him the watch. Um, but, you know, they will find – right? I mean, that's the only thing that kind of gets you through watching the scene is that they will find each you other. Think, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again. Um, the moment for his character arc, you're going to have to forgive yeah. yourself. No, that's a real – because the whole, everything in this series is really about forgiving yourself. I mean, it's, you're a good man. You're going to have to forgive yourself. You're going to make these mistakes and some of them are going to be timeline and some of them are going to just be because you're going to act a certain way. And it's, and isn't that the thing you would tell your younger self? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't everybody say that? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, it's also like. That Cole, the future also is telling Cole that, doesn't know he's ever going to see Ramsey again. Right. 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 And he knows what he's looking at himself, knowing what he's about to do very Very soon. Very soon. That's right. That's coming up. Um, So there's a lot. But I mean, I think that's like, if there's a signature, you know, if there's those, like, Cassie, what I am is because of me. Cole telling himself, you're going to have to forgive yourself. yourself, Right? I think it's like... Signature, yeah. Yeah. Um... Then they kind of do their plan, time to go see you soon, but it's <laughs> saying it to yourself, right? Weird. And then Cassie comes out with the white streak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you were live, if you were watching, did you remember that she had the white streak at the CDC in season, mm, season one? one? I didn't, to be quite honest. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I love that it. Right. Yeah. 
But on binge, I think it's like, I probably, I don't even know if I would have known, like, mm-hmm. that's one of those, like, week-to-week speculation things, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's the payoff that it's like, people hadn't seen that since season one. And that was a while ago, right? It's a really long time mm-hmm. ago, right? And so it's fascinating, because he was like, when she was like, does she die? And he's like, well, she'll have to decide that for herself. And it's like, because th- that Cassie's going to have to go back and right. die. And make that. Right? right. And make that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have any other... This this scene is a lot on rewatch. I know. I just didn't. I don't know why. And I don't know if you just block it out because it's so cool. But I did not remember this being like so ominous and so like, here it is. Like, here's the whole thing. This is gonna suck. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know why. Like, it's all right there. But I don't remember Cassie being in this either. Because I remember like getting to, you know, like. The, the finale and being like, oh my god, she was there listening the whole time. And it's like, duh, because she was in it the first time you saw right? it. I mean, <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it raises so many questions, right? Like, this whole episode is about trying to find Cassie, and then you're like, she's right there. Mm-hmm. What the hell happened? Right. And why does he have the splinter suit? Right. That's the splinter suit of the enemy, right? Like, it's right. a scene that is setting up all of these things that you can't possibly understand until you rewatch, but it's also raising all of these questions, even for this season. Right. I mean, we're, it's 301 and we're watching a scene from the series finale. Finale. I know. (laughs) It's 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 so super smart. Yeah. That's how you fucking construct a story. Um, if we're done self-flagellating about future asshole, I'm just going to say Jennifer, <laughs> 99 <laughs> Luftballons. Is that the right so way to say it? So good. Go. Just flail. Because this scene is iconic. Oh, my God. It's so good. It looks amazing. It sounds great. It's so weird. I had to go back and watch it immediately after mm-hmm. watching it the first time. That it's that it's so crazy and violent and... And also the thing I love that it's like, I, I know I've just said this before, but I love how much it's the thing that like is a balloon for her. Like it's going to get her out of the hell that is this, like this German fucking nonsense. Like it's so, that was when I was just like, oh wow, they've really embraced the weirdness of her. And also the thing that's going to save her, which is her mm. beautiful brain. Yeah. You know, I loved it. And you didn't hear yet, Barry, since you Mm. just finished, when Terry came on, and he'll still say this if you talk to him now, he was so afraid of this scene. And the fact that it would be, like, too out there and people would, like, not accept it. And he just was like, I don't know if this fits. I don't know if we should do it. And he still is like, I'm not completely sure about this. And I'm like, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's so cool. It also, by the way, it really works for her. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, remember all the stuff we've seen from her up till now. You know, we've seen her taking over the boardroom. We've seen her, like, it's not, like, this This makes sense for her character. Right? She's ostentatious, and she mm-hmm. uses pop culture yep. all the time. Like, why? Yep. this is just a step beyond that as far mm-hmm. as, like, showing it instead of mm-hmm. her just doing movies. Well, and you know what's also, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Beep, you're the Jennifer expert, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is the first time... We've spent a lot of the series where we get to be in Cassie's brain with mm-hmm. these crazy visions. This is the we've heard, we've seen the ex, like 
outside manifestations yeah. of how Jennifer's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And and we've we've, and we've had seen her demons, yeah. right? You know, and like we've with seen, her mom and absolutely, and, and we've seen her drawings, and we've had fun with her before, right? We had the crazy season one Markridge mm-hmm. shareholders presentation. We had like there are definitely like fun things in season two where we had the Mary Tyler Moore montage, but this is in her head. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the world. Mm-hmm through the lens that Jennifer is processing that moment. And mm-hmm. I feel like that connects the audience to a character in a new way. Yeah, totally. Because I, you know, I will be honest, like we've talked about this before, like sometimes Jennifer, at least in earlier in seasons would be frustrating to me. I, I would be like Cole in the situation, like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah. Right. Like cut through. I, I didn't immediately connect with her until season two Mm -hmm. where I saw sort of that like leadership struggle and she had someone to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. But this is what, this is not only see more what's in her head. You could see more what's in her head because she was verbalizing it. Now we're in her head. Right. Um, And this is alone, Jennifer that has at least enough like bolstering behind her to know that she's not batshit crazy. Yes. Like, I feel like she's more free to be herself. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. she was always just so afraid that she was nuts. Right. And now it's like, no, I'm just different. Yeah. And I'm going to save myself with my difference. Yep. Yeah. And she's starting to get hints that that difference is important, right? right. Her, like, old self told her, right? Like, and um, you also, like, what the hell do you have to lose when you're in a, a World War One trench in 1917, I mean, right? Like, do. Um, there's some really great references built in here that I want to circle back to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great little... Uh, when he offers her a cigarette and he's, oh, okay. you Germans smoke a lot. And it's I like, know. oh, you're thinking of Jones. Um, she sees the four men down the trench wearing those kind of classic, like metal helmets from World War One, And then we see the image in her mind of um, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm. And that's, uh, there's a lot in this scene that sets up Justin Jennifer's had a lot for the next episode with the four guardians mm-hmm. with the crib. We mm-hmm. actually see in her head, Ethan's crib, um, you know, obviously like for the four horsemen of the apocalypse mm-hmm. is from the book of revelation. One of those horsemen brings the plague. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, I mean, I, there's a ton of stuff in pop culture about it, but I just think it's like interesting. One of those is actually sort of the like pestilence is like right. what this whole show is about. So a lot of it is setting up. I mean, phone home like she's gonna throw an et in there for fun love it so much right we're about to watch it on stage unfold in the next episode um i love how much jennifer is the embodiment of the gen x viewer you know like it's for me right (laughs) absolutely right thank you except that when you go and watch as i did the original videos for (laughs) 99 Luft Balloons, which is a 1983 song by the German band Nina. I'm like, they really could have used Terry Metalis directing Mm. that video. I bet. I bet. I I feel like there's, I mean, there's like, I mean, David Fincher started, right, with videos, right? Express Yourself. It's one of my favorite videos. I love it. This is a great, I'm like, I want more. Mm -hmm. You know that there's more. I want the full music video. Yes. Of Jennifer in the yellow dress. I've watched it so many times. I also, I love that dress. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, she also just looks gorgeous. Oh, she's so good. She's the greatest. Um, So really quickly, can Mm -hmm. we do, should we do the rabbit hole? Oh, yeah. Okay. Have you guys watched this video? I, or know the story behind this song? 
It's crazy. Okay. Really quickly. The song, um, do listeners, do yourself a favor and go look on Wikipedia the story of this song. It the band's guitarist was at a Rolling Stones concert and there were balloons that were released and he watched them go over the Berlin Wall. Then he read a news story that actually I think was in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. It was it took place somewhere in the US about balloons being ma- mistaken for, for UFOs. <laughs> so as he was watching the balloons go over the Berlin Wall, he was like, I wonder, I wonder what happens to those balloons when they end up like on the East German side. And so the original German version of the song is kind of this post-apocalyptic story of balloons being mistaken for UFOs and creating a 99-year war. Oh, my God. I mean, obviously. So the, <laughs> you know, as you do. So the video, whether it's the ger- original German version or the American recording, which they were never happy with the translation, apparently. Mm-hmm. Go watch the video. The video takes place on a battlefield where the, the, the lead singer, the woman, is walking through a battlefield and there's sandbags. There's freaking bomb explosions oh going God. off. It's really the... Because the song brings about, like, the song is about bringing about, like, a, a nuclear apocalypse because of these balloons. And so the video is a woman walking around, bombs going off. So I thought, I always thought that it was like, and, and Terry Metellus told the story, right? He heard the song in his car. Beep, are you... It, I don't remember that. Sorry. I, something something about like hearing the song in the car and it was German. And then I think like Chris Monfett was like, what if the balloons are the heads blowing up? Right. But the actual video is taking place in a war zone that looks like at a war zone, like with sandbags and right. like, right. Like, so even the video is like, of course, Jennifer thought of this song, right? right. Like if Jennifer was anything like us, like Gen right. X, well, she's not Gen X, right? She's I don't a millennial. care. She's a love letter to She's me. a millennial. Right. Yeah, but remember they said that the only things that were available in the institution was like 80s stuff because it was outdated. Right. That's a very good point. Yeah. This is why it's such a good time of life for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. this is for us. We but are out makes, of copyright. It, <laughs> I love it. It makes so much sense that she thought not only of this song, mm. but the video is a woman in a battlefield. Yeah. And I... I, I gotta watch it's that. A, it's not a great video. I don't really, care, like, I see it. they should re-release it with just Emily, like, Her. doing this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, also, we would be, like, remiss not to mention that it's an homage to the film 12 Monkeys. So mm-hmm. that James Cole gets not, I'm going to say splintered, splintered, yeah. <laughs> sent into a, a World War One trench, gets shot in the leg, and then gets immediately catapulted to 1996. And that age of the bullet is actually, like, a plot point. Oh. So there's I've never a- watched the movie. You haven't? No, I don't. I never wanted, like, I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, either. I watched the movie uh, after the show. Bother. Buffy oh, the really? Vampire, you mean the movie? Yeah, yeah. like, I don't oh. want to see the movie, the, the lesser movie of the great show. Yeah, it's like, yeah, don't worry about it. You mean Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah. Oh, oh, but, but, also, but 12 Monkeys, the film is very different. It's wonderful, but it's is very it wonderful? different. It's, it's crazy weird, but it's because I really love this, I don't want to ruin it. It's totally different. It's okay. totally different. Okay. All right. It's it only based on I want to say a French, a French story film. from yeah. like a long the time 1960s. ago, the 1960s. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, it is dark and trippy. Okay, I'll I feel it. like it's hard to even put into words how to capture a scene that is that 
crazy and visually beautiful, mm-hmm. but also disturbing. And it was just, it's, it was amazing. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, 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 that brings us to Cassie. Uh, um, I mean, I can understand the decision. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and it looked gorgeous. It's beautifully shot. Yeah. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. That slow motion shot of her falling off is like, it's, Another, again, it's like a level up for the series, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. What I find interesting about it is how Magdalena knows that she can undo it. Mm -hmm. Still tries to talk her out of it. What did you guys think about that? I think that you know that when you're going to have to kill yourself in order to go back and do it, it would just really be better to not have to go back and do it. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah. I I can see that. I mean, the, you know, the future ones that come back always have to destroy themselves, and that doesn't look like it's super exciting. Doesn't so. look fun. No, but you're true. right. But but I thought she's also a true believer, she, right? Which is part of the genius of Hannah Waddingham. I mean, that that's part of the acting. Like I want she like she could fix it, but she's like she'd rather. It's like the thing of like I don't want you just to do the dishes. I want you to want to do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? want you to want to have the witness right i mean she looks she has a look on her face right it's the acting it's mm-hmm. joyful her mm-hmm. face is um, um, there's an emotion there right mm-hmm. i want you to experience this joy with me yeah why this is the birth of our savior love your son for that mm-hmm. right and it also shows they have severely underestimated cassie yes they do not understand who she is Mm-mm. right Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then you want so this is this is one of those lines that I didn't catch until I rewatched mm-hmm. when she says you can't have him. That's what Cole says in the series finale when Jones and Hannah and Deacon are outside and they're in the house of cedar and pine yes. and he says you yeah. don't know what Cole's gonna say yeah. when they're surrounded and he's like you can't have him mm-hmm. and it's like a wonderful those two bookends of yes. the two parents and very different journeys mm-hmm. and it's not very different ending. circumstances yeah too. right um one yeah. group who wants to raise him up and the other one who wants to destroy him right Right. Which is kind of the theme of like this whole season, really. And none of it is about who he actually is, right? No. All, all, mm-hmm. all of this, mm-hmm. the people, all of this to raise him, all the people want to destroy him, and he was never the witness. Mm-hmm. It, it's so sad. It's so. It's oh, so his good. tale is tragic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. All right, so that. One thing I will say yeah. is because you know, I mean, with my own history with the people in my life, like I don't, I don't like suicide attempts that mm-hmm. is like not my jam not to say that it is anybody's but mm-hmm. like that usually ticks like a real bad spot for me and interestingly enough this did not do that i noticed when i was watching it that it didn't bother me which i think is just interesting about the issue of motivation yeah because she like absolutely did not want to do it and it was truly would have been a selfless act right and i found that interesting because the character was truly in a box. Right. 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 And this also, uh, you know, thinks that her son is going to, like, bring about the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not just about... I feel like that decision isn't just about It's not her. about destroying herself. It's right. About right. 
Same. Right. Well, and having seen, you know, a show a few months ago that painted a mm. sacrifice as a, well, I wanted to die anyway, so isn't this convenient? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting to see someone like she had, you know, she didn't want that. She doesn't want it for herself. She doesn't want it for him. Right. But it's like, I will do this if that's what it comes to. Right. And it's just interesting how it's framed so differently mm-hmm. and lands so differently, except for she doesn't land. <laughs> well, right, and they, but they and they also <laughs> literally Sorry. she doesn't land, but they but they also choose not. But I think that's yeah. part of it, beep. They choose not. They don't show it. Yes, that's actually really important. You know, they don't show. They aren't. They aren't blithe with it. Right. right. They're yeah, not showing yeah. she doesn't, Cassie she doesn't dead on the get ground to commit suicide. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's no, a really I really good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's it is right. And we just watched another sci-fi show that handled it horribly so yeah it's a um right they definitely approached it with the sensitivity you need to um then we watch them undo everything and you're filled with sort of this sense of dread of like wow they're fucked Mm -hmm. if their fate their opponents can now Mm -hmm. undo everything with like the press of a button right Um, it was already bad enough when you found out like they had a time traveling city because you already mm -hmm. knew like you know that they're like they were equal to you guys as far as what they were able to do, right. at least equal. And now it's like, okay, not only is that like technology better, but oh wow, right. you guys have like a whole other set of things going on. You right. have like portable, you know, you guys have like cell phones when we're like on like still tied to the wall. Right, 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 right. Um we're still in a party line over here. I don't know. <laughs> Cassie is utterly fucked. Yeah. That takes us to the birth scene. Oh, then she's oh, even more fucked. Stop. Yeah. Barry, you were sitting next to me the first time you watched this scene, and I watched you physically curl up in a ball. Well, also, I will just note, I had C-sections the, like, right way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think birth is God intended. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, like, just cut, cut open. open. Like, be out. Yeah. I mean, it, Yeah. I mean, let's put it this way. Given the choice, I'd rather have the baby in Mad Men. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I said that. I'm or just... Outlander. Right. Like, oh, oh, my God. Either. Um, well, clearly, I mean, the first thing is, like, I didn't have a C-section, but I did have epidural. And mm. Cassie clearly, like, for all of their advances, mm-hmm. apparently they didn't fucking give her an epidural. Right. You like... have quinoa and you can't give her <laughs> You can't, like, knock out the lower half. Well, um, they wouldn't want a chance him being damaged in any way. Oh, sure. my God. I know that doesn't right. do that. But right, still, right, right, right. You know. Okay. So, so the one thing that makes me giggle is the recurring... Mm. Baths are fucking nightmares on yeah, the show. It's like the red, yeah. <laughs> Showers only, people. Yeah. So this scene is a fucking nightmare. Total. You are, you have an audience of your captors mm-hmm. watching you give birth. Oh my God. The person who was your like main captor has held a knife to your throat mm-hmm. is yelling push at you. Oh. And the moment, like it's like, Giving birth is the hardest thing I've ever done, but no, like the. How about fish- trying not to? Right, right, that's what I mean. Like right. your body is pushing it's the baby out, you but you it. know right. the moment the baby comes out, it's gone. Oh, it's so real. It's terrible. It's yeah. ho- it is a it is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It is horrible, and the fact that she comes out of this 
And I think it might in part have to do with that she actually gets to see her son. But Mm -hmm. she goes through this no matter how horrific Mm -hmm. this was and comes out of it as one of the more hopeful characters this season Mm -hmm. is a really interesting journey. Because Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody coming out on the other side of being held hostage. No, it's a real trauma. Right. And waking up and her belly is gone and the baby is gone. Like it is, I I feel it like viscerally. Mm -hmm. It is horrific. Well, can you even imagine too? And of course I've never had children. However, she was not only going through the pregnancy and feeling him grow and kick and whatever. She was also alone. Yeah. So can you imagine, like, the relationship that she developed with the idea of him? Like, I can just see her sitting there, like, talking to him, Mm -hmm. like, all day long, for months on end, having no other outlet whatsoever. It just, like, that devastates me. Because I think she had something, like... Not not beyond, but just like even more developed because of her horrendous circumstances. Because she had nobody else. Yeah. Right, right, right. And she's so alone. She's so alone that the father of the baby doesn't even know the baby exists. Mm. Right. It is awful. So and I will say, there's there's certain like acting, directing choices that make it even more. And I mean, in a good way. It's yeah. supposed to be like yes. horrific, no, right? No, no. So yeah. when Magdalena has her hands in the water between her legs. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just... It is... This... Early in this season, between this birth scene and Ramsay having to suffocate his son... Oh, my God. I know. It is apparent... Which, those were the two scenes that we (laughs) watched while our children played downstairs. We were like, oh, my God, we're going to have to switch to cough from coffee to booze because (laughs) this is, like, two back-to-back parental nightmares. Just total nightmare. Yeah. Oh. Um, and the interesting thing is she sees the vision of the witness and it's not her son. Watching. God, Olivia is such a creeper. But I don't know if she, it's, it, it's a question I actually have. Like, is she actually there or is it because Cassie can still see her because of the, oh, red, the red tea it fucked with her head? Right. I don't know. Is but either way, either way, she's she present in the sense of like, she's truly watching. I think. Either I way, think you're just right. You're watching it and you're mm-hmm. thinking that mask is symbolic mm-hmm. of the baby being born, but actually it's not. It's symbolic of the person that's actually the witness, actually the witness witnessing, letting this all. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Doing some like, creepy peepering. I don't know. And then it just ends with that perfect Mm -hmm. shot of Titan and the baby crying. Oh, and they didn't, they didn't play ending music like they normally do. They just let that baby baby. cry through the credits. And I was like, oh, that was like, that made me want to vomit. I don't even know how to explain that like Mm. direct reaction, but I was just like, oh God, turn it off. Like, Mm -hmm. please stop it it's such a visceral thing i mean think about the way that the baby cry is used just like myth a lot i mean think about game of thrones like that's what the white walkers and the Mm -hmm. i mean the baby cry is is such a visceral thing that cries out to all of us whether you've had children or not it's just this is crying is talking Mm -hmm. from from the human animal yeah. Right. I even I read a study that the two sounds that are the most disruptive mm-hmm. to human thought. So yeah. like it was a study of people trying to do math problems. Yeah. And they had to listen to headphones. I, I believe this. Number number one uh-huh. is a toddler complaining. Oh. Which is yeah. 
uh, actually, because it needs to prompt a greater response for us to yeah. respond. But number two, the number two sound that is the most disruptive to the human brain is a newborn's wail. Yeah, I believe that. So this episode is like, it both is unsettling, but it also is the idea that our opponent for this series was a baby, right? Yeah. It's just so, it's a lot to leave the audience sitting with. Yeah. It's a, it's a hell of a season premiere, mm-hmm. by the way. Like, cause I didn't think of it that way when you binge, you don't like, but it's like a, you know. Yeah. Out. Yeah. It's we weird. did it. We did it. <laughs> Barry, thanks so much. This was so fun. Oh my God. It was so fun. I, I really have to do a whole rewatch. I now realize. Do a rewatch and, cu- and come back. You, uh-huh. Do you want to do, um, daughters with us oh, in season four? Yes. That'd be oh. a good book and Emma and Olivia and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like good. Yeah. I, yeah. Great. It's funny. Again, like the minute you finish the series is the moment that you're like, oh, I, I really, there's so much I need to go see how it all fits together. Yeah. Because season one actually knocks you on your ass. So like you're going to press play on the pilot mm-hmm. and you're going to hear these arms of mine and where mm-hmm. are you right now? And you're going to be like, what? The- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is the sign of a, I mean, that's it. Right. That's why like, this is. Yeah, these are the these are the good story. This is good storytelling. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Oh my god, this was so much fun, you guys. <laughs> Thank you we for love bringing it. this to me. Yeah. Really. All right. Um. Next up, Guardians. We have uh, what does Jen always say? Sexy splinter suits and bowler hats. Jage Bond in France. We didn't know Jennifer is actually the godmother of all sci-fi. <laughs> um, and Ramsey. Je splinter. Je splinter. <laughs> oh my God, uh, that's so good. I love that. Uh, but then also Ramsey finds <laughs> Sam, and oh I'm God. probably gonna cry I on the next podcast because it is the hardest thing I think I've ever watched. In- it's uh, horrible. Uh, I take it back. There's a couple things in Game of Thrones I had to actually leave the room. But second to that, this is really horrific. Yeah. Uh, um, Jen will be back to break it all down. Um, submit your Olivia questions um, for Allison Down and Terry Metallis by June 19th. And if you guys know anything else, we'll see you soon. <laughs>